It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Andy Anakos put together an amazing paddle. Uh, Adam Enks from Tidbits, John Gruber from Daring Fireball, and Chris Breen, the Mac Daddy from MacWorld.com. We're going to get together and discuss the new IMAX and more. Mac Break Weekly is next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for MacBreak Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. It's time for MacBreak Weekly, episode 245, recorded May 3rd, 2011. It just looks thicker. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by GoToMeeting, the award-winning web conferencing service. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the offer code MACBREAK. And by Hover.com. Hover's domain name registration and management that's simple. For Hover's transfer concierge service free for you, visit MacBreak.Hover.com. And by Audible.com. To download a free audiobook of your choice, go to audible.com slash MacBreak. It's time for MacBreak Weekly. What a good day to be doing MacBreak Weekly. Here we are the third day of May. And joining us, a massive panel put together by uh, this fellow uh, right here, Mr. Andy Inotko of the Chicago Sun-Times and the Celestial Waste of Bandwidth. He has battled and succeeded in defeating the Hydra with the help of Linda Carter. No, no, this is my trophy from a two-day Comic-Con that I worked very, very hard at, and I decided that I needed a toy. That's a good trophy. Actually, yes. Actually, this was a gift from a friend of mine at, who uh, works at DC. We said, I love you that. know, we, I, I feel as though this will, this will spruce up your office nicely, and darned if it didn't. So when I realized that I, for, I failed to reap to, <laughs> I, I, took, I took my iPad a digital video connector with me to the con and then did not put it back here in the broadcast studio. And I realized that about five minutes ago and said, ooh, ooh, <laughs> need visual interest behind me. Otherwise, oh, oh I get it. This, that we normally the screen that's over your shoulder is now, <laughs> is now disabled. Exactly. I, I get it. it. I this, get is, it. This, is not, this is not as, as, as cool as having, uh, having a pile of squirrels uh, cording <laughs> on the screen behind me, but perhaps it's good enough. And now, believe it or not, there is... <laughs> I'm sorry, there was a groundhog that I swear to God is giving me the hairy eyeball from outside my door. Right <laughs> if only we could see it. But I, I presume you are recording that, yes? Uh, no, oh. <laughs> because it's just, it's, 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 like, it's like the Today Show only with wildlife. If this were like a, a Pixar movie holding up the little sign saying, hello, Nana. Hello, hello. I'm sorry, I'm easily distracted. I should be on sort of medication Squirrel. by the Andy has, has patched together, uh, in honor of the new IMAX, a fantastic <laughs> panel, just starting with uh, this man, uh, the guy that uh, golfers love to take pot shots at, Mr. <laughs> Adam Engst of tidbits.com. You know, it's just I, you can't worry too much about the golfers. They, they just don't deal well with moving targets. I love it. Adam, so. Adam, Adam, before the show began, said golf courses were built just for long-distance runners to run around. <laughs> so you can take your I mean the golfers now. are just walking slowly so yeah. you know why not not why not if they're walking at all i mean they got to get in the carts half the time tidbits.com if you don't if you don't already know about it and if you don't already know about it well i can't understand why you're listening to this show so just stop <laughs> and and read every episode every issue of tidbits from the last 20 years and then you can that would be years. scary I, I even i mean every now and then i go back to some of those early issues and it's just painful. Have you ever all put them in one big file and done a word count just to see how many words are in there? 
It's all in MySQL, so I don't know. We, we could look. It'd be fun. <laughs> I'd love to know. 100. Okay, I'll I'll ask Glenn how to do that. That's one of those uh, <laughs> databasey things that uh, that, that I have to ask about. I don't know. How, you know, the bar has gotten higher. I can't just you know, like open everything and BB edit and yeah. do a search, which is yeah. what I would have done before. But yeah. now I now I need help from the yep. databases. I know the feeling. That's the price <laughs> of success, Adam. Also joining us from the uh, Breen Mansion, just down the road a piece. <laughs> Uh, the editor for Macworld uh, magazine, Macworld.com, uh, the Mac 911 editor, and a good friend, Mr. Chris Breen. Hello, Leo. The hair of Breen has joined him. Yes. Usually I'm, the case. I was going to take the hair of Breen out of frame oh. this time. It's <laughs> because it was getting so much more attention on Twitter this week than I was. So just to get back at it, I thought I, I would like it. Well, that's, that's yes, smart because that way, if, you, if it's in another screen, your hair could have its own show like at the same time. So it's not wasting its time. Uh, with the, with what the body brain has to do. <laughs> Believe me, it does have its own show, and I'm getting sick of it too. I assume it goes off with Dalrymple's beard, right? I just hope the no. name of the show isn't Hairspray. That's all I. That's all I. All I hope. Also joining us from Philadelphia, Mister Mister uh, uh, Daring Fireball, John Gruber. It's DaringFireball.net. Let me change that here on our lower third. Although I told dot com works as well. It does. Yeah. There's only one Daring Fireball. That's all you need to know. You get both for free. <sighs> Good to have you back again, John. So what a what a panel. I mean, we filled Skyposaurus with heads, and uh, and a good time. Andy, I'm gonna I since you put this esteemed panel together, I'm gonna let you uh, drive today. But okay. I bet you, I bet you, you would like to talk about the new IMAX. Uh, actually, there was an update to that sword game for the iPad, but we can bump that to number two. Uh, also, we want to talk about Android market share and all this. Different you know things. what I love yeah. about the new IMAX? One of them, I don't. I guess it's the high end one, has two Thunderbolt ports. Yeah, yeah. there's, a, there's a, yeah, yeah, baby. To, totally refreshing the entire now. line. The bullet point stuff on that's on it is uh, one of the models will have two Thunderbolt ports. Those are two separate channels so that each one can support a chain of six devices, including a, a monitor. So you can have an iMac with two external displays, probably, I don't know, for driving games. Could you, if know. you really were crazy, have 12 displays? No. Uh, I believe okay, it's no. I believe it's only one display per chain, okay. uh, including the one. The uh, the other the only minus though is that uh, people have already been asking about this. Uh, previous generation of iMac, you could actually uh, use an HDMI adapter and use the iMac as a display. So if you wanted to have it do triple duty uh, as your monitor for cable TV or or gaming or whatever like that. Unfortunately, the new ones do not support that feature. But I think getting an extra monitor is probably. Are you are you sure about that, Andy? Because someone commented in my article that and. Uh, for a Mac rumors, they'd asked an Apple sales rep, and he'd said that the target display mode was still active on the 27-inch. Yeah, uh, but I it's only going to work over Thunderbolt, and so there's no, I don't think there's any computer that you can use to be the client for that yet. Well, I, uh, and Gadget I has a picture, and Gadget Adam, has a picture of... Uh, also, also to, to answer your question, Adam, I asked Apple, the mothership directly, uh, that okay. question about our going. They said ah, that no conflicting information! Uh, well, I, then explain explain to me then why I'm just looking at uh, the front page of Engadget, and they've got a uh, the new iMac with dual 30 inch displays. How would you do that? That's uh, just connecting two to the mini display port to the Thunderbolt ports. Oh, okay. It's the the, the trick is using the iMac as a monitor. Right. Uh, yeah, because this is, which was this is in rather than out is the is the tough thing right. right now. And what they're suggesting is 
There currently isn't a cable that does that, that you have to wait until you have your Thunderbolt cables and then compatible devices, and then you can do it. But right now, it doesn't work through DisplayPort. Wait, I'll, 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 I'll double check my email. They said, ex I believe they said explicitly to me that you will not be able to use the new iMac as a monitor. It so, will support so, external monitors, obviously, but you can't plug it into like your uh, your Xbox or your cable box. Oh, I see. You can, it's one. It's out, not in. I get that. Yeah, yeah. But this is a, this is a 27 inch yeah. with extended desktop, two 30s, one left, one right, and uh, the EN is in the left. The gauge is in the middle, and the ET is in the right. I mean, that's that's pretty sweet. I think that's a lot of real estate. It's a really it's big a, font. It's 11 million. <laughs> Eight hundred seventy-eight thousand four hundred pixels. Yeah, it's inter it's interesting where the, the, they've certainly now chopped off one of the reasons why people might go for a Mac Pro uh, instead of a, an all-in-one because people want that kind of expandability. There are people who need those that many displays, but now that you knock that off, now it has super high speed uh, uh, super high speed data. Uh, so that's another thing you would not need a card for. Uh, for a uh, for a Mac Pro, so it, and also now that you can get a, an i7 processor on at least one of these models, so interesting to see who's going to yeah. be still left over to buy Mac Pros now that this is on the line. Well, if you needed to the put Mac a slots, you know, Black Magic card in, as we do, if uh, you know, a lot of uh, higher end editors and stuff, I think would still. Need. But, but when yeah, the, the Mac Pro is really moving up in terms of, of who needs it. I mean, I. You always used to buy the Mac Pro or the or the Power Max, and usually it's from extra monitors. But uh, now that it's the, the iMac and the Mac Mini can all drive double monitors, and the iMac is getting really really powerful, it's getting harder and harder to think about what that next desktop Mac will be. If it's you know Mac Pro, you just have a hard time justifying the cost. Well, I think it's still audio and video professionals. If you're using a full-blown right. Pro Tool system, yeah. for example, you need those slots. Um, if you yeah. need really high-end video cards. Yeah, possibly you may need to do it for right. that too, or, cer or certain kinds of video editing. Right. Well, the question is, especially for audio audio uh, devices, which you are definitely the god of in this group. Uh, it will thunder. Does Thunderbolt have the sort of bandwidth to make that make it the attractive choice for those for new generation of those sound devices, or are are people still going to need uh, a card in a slot in order to make that work? Well, it certainly could be that um, that, that you're going to be able to use this for audio for, in a lot of applications. Currently, what a lot of these things do is that they serve as, um, they do a lot of processing on the board rather than leaving it to the Mac itself. So if you're using a Pro Tools system, for example, it, it does a lot of processing on that card and then sends it out to the main hardware unit. So for that reason, you still need these cards. Mm. But they could certainly rejigger the system and say, no, we're going to do it, the processing on the Mac or we're going to use uh, Thunderbolt to get through to these uh, audio units. Yeah, because these new processors just don't have the performance, right? Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and yeah. not to mention the high-end GPU you're finally getting in there. Yeah, uh, There's yeah, a lot yeah. of horsepower, even in this, uh, in this iMac. Yeah. I think the only reason not to get an iMac at this point is if you don't want an all-in-one unit. I mean, my, my son's iMac failed, and I, a hard drive failed. i got to schlep the whole thing in. Yeah. I can't pop well, the drive, put a new one in, that kind of thing. Here's the other thing that bugs me is I'm, I've been using double monitors on my Mac since 1991. And at this point, I like matched monitors. Yes. And so yes. Um, that's one reason why I have the Mac well, Pro. What if you got um, a 27? 
if you got, oh, it still wouldn't yeah, match. Yeah, but see, it? here's the thing. Uh, I need. It's hard to find the pictures of this, but the iMac has that that strip at the bottom, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the 27 doesn't. So right. even if you can put them side by side, yeah, yeah, we kind of look in that Engadget thing. You got that bit at the bottom. So yeah. even if you put a 27 yeah. side by side, you're not actually matching your monitors um, because the size may be the same, but the uh, you know the the physical dimensions are not going to match up. Are you kind of OCD a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a reason why the Take Control Authors list is called Control Freaks. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some people who wouldn't bother. I, I go out. It bothers me. I'm with you, Adam. I go out in, in our office here, and we've got, in fact, even the editors upstairs. It's such a hodgepodge of, you know, Dell and Mac and different, you know, and all. And they don't. Nobody's complained to me anyway. Because yeah, you know, I have a friend who's, who's a great icon designer, and he he's been he's like Adam. He's been using dual displays for years and years and years. But his policy, and he started this I don't know five six years ago, is if he has to replace a monitor, he replaces both and gets them at the <laughs> exact same two of the same model, <laughs> yep. like tires, the same date. Because like they age as over <laughs> yeah. time the colors start yeah. to fade and whatever, and it drives him batty if <laughs> this shade of RGB on this one is doesn't look exactly the same as on the other one. So he never runs one without the other, runs them the same number of hours starting from the same day, and it, and once he gets <laughs> to the point where it looks like one's getting different than the other, then he then he sells them and and replaces them both. I'm seeming more and more relaxed all the time. <laughs> There's more money in icons than I really thought. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I th it's all in volume when you're only d drawing 32 pixels, pixels with each contract. Boy, you can just crank those things out. Yeah, the, pr the, the price per pixel is high. <laughs> and you want to make sure that you move your monitor, the one on the right, every six months. You rotate on the left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. rotate your monitor. You don't want monitor wear, uneven monitor no, wear. No, Bad. absolutely not, because yeah. the edge pixels get worn out. See, more, you know, that's actually, it's not so much, no, I have to disagree, Chris. It's not moving the monitor. you got to move the menu bar from the left one to the right one and back again because otherwise your neck gets kind of messed up. You're looking too much to the left, looking too much to the right. That's the, that's the, it's a more of an ergonomics mm. issue. Oh, okay. mm, the trouble. <laughs> I feel so bad for people with dual 27-inch displays. It must be so hard <laughs> to live in that world. It's getting hard to find I'll, desks that hold the damn things. <laughs> Yeah, you need a bigger desk. <laughs> By the way, this 24 is that's as big as I can go. I don't know. You can't really see it all, but I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got eleven <laughs> monitors on this desk. This is a nice. It's a big desk, you know? and that's why you're so tan, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not Donald Trump style bronzer. That's uh, that's RGB. I had to have my liver removed and replaced, but other than that, it's great. But you know, hey, the good news is I'll never reproduce again. So, uh, and if you've got teenagers, you know what I mean. So anything else to say besides the, uh, I, I like it because Apple's really committed to the Thunderbolt now. There's no, there's no turning back. This, this, uh, this. It, really, it, it really gets you kind of extra excited for whatever MacBook Air update is going to come up. Because it's, it's, there's been a really interesting sort of through line over the past four or five months. I've talked to so many people who, when it came time to upgrade their MacBooks, People that I never thought in a million years would go for a lower power CPU are going for the 13-inch Air. Right. And the people who still went for a regular MacBook said, I just need high-speed data. If only, if only this thing had USB 3 or had FireWire in some way, I would totally have gone for it. Air with one single Thunderbolt port would totally upset the balance of power in the Apple Store. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Maybe it's something they don't want to do. 
Well, there no, is well, one really odd little thing about the new IMAX, too. Um, as far as we can tell from the spec page, they're upgradable to 16 gig of RAM. And yet, from the Apple Store, the 21 and a half inch models can up, be upgraded only to 8 gigabytes. I oh, that's not don't good. know why. Yeah. It's just, it's it's just strange. And I mean, I, I, I'm assuming the spec page is saying that they can both be upgraded to 16 gig. It's hard to know. You know, they only have two yeah, RAM slots. Maybe it's a, maybe the issue is how much RAM you can get. And and I thought then on these, maybe I'm wrong. Are these, these are these Sandy Bridge or what parts are they in this? They're not uh, some, are I, some, some are i5, some are i7. I'm really surprised that they're not going i7 all the way across the board or just saving the i5 for the entry-level one. There, Adam's right, there's some really interesting quirks in the product matrix. Uh, one thing that really caught my eye is that they're introducing their first, uh, I think this, uh, uh, was, were you always able to get an SSD on the iMac as a BTO? No, I don't think so. So this is the first time they're saying, and they're, they're making And it as available, a secondary which, drive. Which, yeah, and it's, it just <laughs> seems, oh, I, think, I think that that might be sort of a nod towards what we can expect uh, in Lion. Because they're making a lot of changes to like to try to reduce uh, startup times and reduce uh, wake times, so perhaps that's part of that. That's that's not going to be necessarily part of every single Mac in the future, but it makes me think that there's going to be really good infrastructure inside Lion to say, well, if you do have an SSD drive, we're going to use this extra technique so that really, if they hear, if your micro, if the microphone hears anybody breathing in the room in one nanosecond after that, it's going to be you're going to be fully up up and ready to go. This is sweet. So you can add. It comes with a terabyte uh, serial ATA, you know, spinning drive. You can add a 256 gig drive, a solid straight drive, presumably the boot drive for 600 bucks. That's a nice combo. That's it sweet. is the boot drive. If you expand the bit about the drives there, they say explicitly the SSD will be formatted as the boot drive if you get both. Yeah. That's, that's the way you want it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. You wouldn't want anything else. Then you can, it says, you can use the hard drive for videos, photos, and other files. <laughs> all that big stuff. Well, 256 gigs, more than enough for, at least in my experience, uh, using an Air for the operating system and all the apps I use. It'd be very hard to get the even. Oh, yeah. Two, I'm, two, I'm, running a two, I'm running on a 256 gig um, SSD, and it's no having no troubles at all. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Yeah, my yeah and speaking of mine, I think it's interesting. And this is the first time they're offering the uh, Magic Trackpad as an option yes. instead of getting a magic mouse and it's for free so if you decided that you really want to go with touch and that's certainly going to be a big part of lion you can do that and say no i don't i don't want a mouse anymore i just want to go with the track i'd buy anything besides a magic mouse to be honest i'd take yeah. a a used tire <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But that that unfortunately, unfortunately, they're only ADB. So <laughs> every mouse i every time i get a magic mouse it's just like i have a drawer full of magic yeah. mouses yeah. I don't know why that's... Uh, does, does anybody find that magical? John, you must. Oh, I, I haven't used an Apple-branded mouse. And <laughs> They're just horrible. They're horrible. Uh, it, it, the last time I used one, it was still plugged in by ADB. Right, you couldn't... <laughs> there was no choice. <laughs> I have that one here. We've been hanging it by its tail, just trying to get its secrets out. I won't, I won't, I won't take it down. It still, still hasn't talked. Um, <laughs> so that's interesting, though. Yeah, you can get the trackpad. Uh, would, would, is there anybody who would recommend the trackpad over the mouse? You know, I have to say that that uh, if I were starting with a Mac now and expecting to be moving to Lion, I would probably go for the trackpad and try to really train myself to the gestures. Um, just so much experience, it's been hard for me to really do any of the gestures other than two-fingered scrolling on my MacBook. Right. And, uh, and so I, but I, but I do 
believe that gestures are going to be more and more of a big deal and going to be more and more important for using into the system. So, so I've maxed yeah. this uh, iMac out. I put the uh, i7 3.4. I put a, uh, a gig of, I'm sorry, 16 gigs of RAM in it, which is the max even on the high end. I put the, yeah. the terabyte drive plus the 256 gig hard drive. I'm not, well, I'll max it out. 150 oh, bucks more. Terabytes. Why not? Go 30, to, yeah. 718. Should I get the uh, 6970 2 gigabyte GDDR? Yes, of course. <laughs> as long as you're spending money. It's only 100 bucks. <laughs> That's what they get. Yeah. It's only 100 bucks. Uh, okay, yeah. but and, and there we go. Both. Now it's only 3640. We are in Mac Pro territory big yeah. time. Big, 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 big time. <laughs> wow. And by the way, yeah. note the date. Ships in four to six weeks. Now, most of this stuff is available now. I, I, I don't know if it's the processor. The SSD. It's the SSD. Take the SSD off and see if that Let's changes see it. see if that changes it. One to three business days. Mm. Yeah. Now, that's a real question. It's like, what has it taken them four to six weeks to get SSDs in? Just, I don't know. Uh, maybe a shortage out of Japan. I don't know. That's interesting. Apple claimed on that analyst call, though, didn't, didn't they, that they had no shortages that were related to Japan? Well, people are, the, I mean, I don't know. I can get Q2, my... Q2, I think the Q2 uh, analyst call for financial right. results, they said that there were no no shortages yeah. there. They, because so. Apple spent a lot of money getting all the parts in uh, early. <laughs> mm. I should add the 27-inch monitor just to make, make it complete. Just, yeah. yeah One or two. Two. Oh, two. Two. Come on. <laughs> Come now, on. That, now that I know I could Leo, do two. Leo, there, 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 there are five people on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, each well, of you need your own... Each yeah, of you I'll, need your I'll own. I'll send you my shipping address. What you know? I'm going to buy the Apple remote and the Apple battery charger just because I can. <laughs> I don't know why that's even. Okay. I'd say now if only we could use that crime kit to do the web inject form, the form grabbing, and have it redirected. <laughs> <laughs> send that to Zagreb. He's stacked. <laughs> now you also want to make sure that you order Aperture for 199 bucks, even though on oh, the store no. it's 79. Oh, oh no, really? Yeah, check it out. I forgot. One hundred ninety-nine bucks. You're right. Yeah, that's kind that's of an expensive cardboard. That's a hundred hundred and nineteen dollars just because you don't know enough to. Uh... That's the stupid tax. Yeah, boy, is that, that well? That has to be an inventory problem, doesn't it? Where if they already have that exists as exist as existing inventory, they can't discount it without taking a tax or something. Oh man, I'm, I'm sure it's something like that. But that's, that's well, you know what else it is too, though. It might be the that this is one of those areas where even Apple's going to struggle with the transition to the Mac right. App Store, where where it's like exactly what you just said, Leo, where you're configuring this thing. You're already up at two grand, twenty five hundred, something like that, and you start going a little loose with the well, it's only an extra hundred bucks for this, an extra <laughs> hundred and fifty. I mean, it's true. That's just you know sales psychology that once you're spending twenty five hundred, you're a lot more likely to throw in an extra hundred than you normally would be. Pretty and sweet. I don't know how they if they only sold it through the App Store. I'm not quite sure how they connect that to. Right. That right. you know the the store.apple.com shopping experience. But you, but come on, really? Oh, it's just a big database. Come on, they got to be able to connect it in the back if end. You right. accidentally, but I do, think, I do think that the price should match. I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. or or be very very close. If it's you criminal. accidentally did this and then you got it, and then somebody <laughs> said, "Dude, you're a moron," I think I'd be pretty irate. <laughs> dude, <laughs> you paid a hundred. What, <laughs> dude? <laughs> you should have got a Dell. <laughs> and I'm sure Dell does the same exact thing. Uh, it's yeah, you're right. This is the growing pains that the the app store uh, brings around. So, how soon should I buy? Thinking is it silly for somebody to buy thinking a lion is just around the corner? How how far before we get lion? This fall, I think September. I, I think fall. <laughs> I don't I don't think we're gonna I don't think we're gonna see it until 
uh, we get into at least the end of the summer. I'd be really shocked if we saw it any time before August. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised how many people are asking me that. Like they're willing to delay the purchase of an entire $2,000 computer because they might might have to spend an extra what will work out to $80 to upgrade the OS later on. And I'm like, dude, for seven months, you could be using a brand new iMac <laughs> know, or a crazy. brand new MacBook. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's only the, uh, it's only maybe three or four months. The other the other issue uh, is I suspect Lion. Do you think Lion will be uh, one hundred twenty nine bucks, or it'll be thirty dollars, or maybe even free? Not free. Not free. Uh, I don't I, think. I, free. I would I would look for it to be less than a hundred because this is such a this is going to be one of those upgrades where Apple will really want everybody to have it. So because it adds so much infrastructure, that's going to be required for future apps. So I think they're going to try to make the hit as painless as possible. Let's go around the horn. Chris Breen, how much will Lion be? Uh, $79. $79 from Chris Breen. Uh, Mr. Andy Nako, your prediction. I kind of wish I were going last so that, like, on Price is Right, I could just, like, overbid <laughs> everybody <laughs> Sorry. I, was, I, will, I will say I'm going. I am going clockwise. <laughs> clockwise. Go ahead. I'm going uh, either 49 or 99. If I have to pick one, I'll say 99. 49 or 99. That's a, that's a big split. It, again, it's either, it's, I, think, I think they're either going to go for make it so cheap that everybody will want to go for it. Uh, and if they don't go for that price, they're going to say, well, 99 is still the psychological $1 less than a three-digit number. And that's how it, that's right, what they're going to go right. with it. That's, that's just my guess. Chris, Bru uh, Chris, Green. Chris, uh, Chris Gruber. John Gruber, what, <laughs> what, is your, what is your prediction, my friend? I'm going to say $39. $39. So um, I got a $79, a $49, a 99 I think that they're committed. I think that it's... it's that the whole App Store thing has sort of committed Apple to Cheap. significantly lower prices yeah. than the old days. And I, it, I you know, we're all going to be like, I remember when you paid $129. <laughs> remember when Final Cut was thousands of dollars? And the only <laughs> thing new is that they took some of the stripes off the windows. <laughs> and it came on cassette tapes. And if you couldn't find the cameras, you had to type it in. Uh, let's, uh, let's finally add amongst your price for Lion. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to do two prices um, because I'm going to okay. say that there's going to be a Mac App Store price, which uh, will be 29, uh, and I believe there's going there is going to have to be some sort of retail box price, which will be more expensive, and I'm going to call that one 39. And that'll be the family uh, pack. Uh, no, not so much the family pack, but um, there's going to have to be some option for a DVD for people who simply do not have an internet connection capable of right. downloading Lion. But could you do, I, is it possible you think to do yeah. an OS upgrade in the App Store? That seems like a pretty that's big a deal. Hell, that's a hell of a downloader. Well, even if, even, well, how it's, many gigs for, how many possible. gigs for Xcode? That's a five gig, four gig download. Yeah, so it's they technically, can do it. technically possible because the developer betas are going through the yeah. app store. Oh, they are? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Developer so previews are going through the app store. They're doing it. How so there's existence proof that it's possible. Now, whether that would scale to the millions of people who would be downloading it, you know, I, I'm not Wouldn't sure. Wouldn't that be funny if that's why they built the North Carolina? Carolina data center. <laughs> it's going to save we, everything. We built it for Lion. For two months and then they take it down because, well, everybody's got it. Yeah, we built it. Yeah, it's done. I'm Okay, my prediction... Nine dollars ninety nine cents. I go. I'm going to go on record right now. Nine ninety nine. And and listeners, he's if it's if it's for every dollar that's more expensive than that, Leo will refund to you fifty cents. <laughs> I will. Can, I'm going to make fuel it. your fury with this when it's not ten bucks and rather is fifty. And now we can all be angry because it's not there's no reason bucks. for Apple not to. I mean, the truth is zero to one hundred twenty nine. It probably doesn't make that much difference to Apple. 
Yeah, it seems to me at this point that um, Apple really, I mean, look at what they've done with the prices of Aperture and iPhoto and all of those kinds of things. They're clearly saying software helps sales of hardware, much more so even than they did in the past. And, uh, and so I don't see any reason why they're going to try to be nickel and diming a whole lot of people, which will leave them on Snow Leopard and thus leave them behind technology-wise. All right. Well, there you have and it. I, and I'll echo Andy's, I think Andy nailed it, where their number one thing that Apple is thinking about Lion is how do we get as many Mac users on Lion right. as soon as possible? Right. That's, a, that's why I think nine ninety nine. Get it a out A long there. list of reasons. Yeah. But yeah, I, that's why I think lower. Yeah, get it out there because, uh, I mean, the same thing with Snow Leopard, right? They really want people to move to the, those new technologies because it enhances everything. Um. And I wonder how many operating system upgrades they sell, really. Is, uh, lots. Lots? And lots, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. I think no, they do no, very lots. well with it. It's a big um, profit it's center. Okay. But it's, well, it's lots, but, it, but keep in mind, whenever you look at Apple's financial reports and, you know, sort of the, the line for software, it's, you know, it's a few hundred million dollars, which it's not chump change, but it's nothing compared to those and iPad, iPhone. you have $6 billion dollars in profit. Yeah. $6 billion. <laughs> what do you need? $100 million here, $100 million there. Come on. Give it away. Uh, all right. Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but uh, we've got a great panel here. I, 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 I just I hate to uh, hate to say a word because Chris Breen, Andy Anatko, John Gruber, and uh, Adam Engster here. They are the top of the line in the uh, in the Mac journalism world, and we're really glad to have you. We've got more to talk about, lots more to talk about, including uh, the latest malware for Apple. Uh, Adam Engst did a good story on tidbits about that. We'll ask him. Uh, and a whole lot more. But first, my friends, I'd like to talk a little bit about our friends at Citrix who do such great stuff. And they've never left the Mac out. And I really like that. Any company that says, uh, we're going we're gonna to do everything we do cross-platform, I like it. Citrix could easily just focus on Windows. It's, it's one of those products, you know, they are known in the Windows universe. They are the kings of remote access in Windows. Uh, but no, they they say they realize how important it is to be cross-platform. So the next time you hold a meeting, a, a, a teleconference, that no matter what people are using, they can join that conference and be a part of it. Not merely Mac and PC, but on their iPads too. I'm talking about GoToMeeting, simply the best online meeting software out there. And with that free iPad app, uh, I mean, that's slick. That is sweet. The next time you uh, want to have a phone conference, you want to avoid the travel to meet in person with colleagues or clients all over the world, Start a GoToMeeting, just takes a couple of clicks of the mouse, and then anybody who's on a Mac, or I guess if they're on Windows if they want, or on an iPad can be part of that meeting. GoToMeeting uh, is $49 a month for as many meetings as you want, as long as you want. And I have to say one of the beauty parts uh, of this is uh, that uh, the iPad app is absolutely free. And it's free for your customers and clients and colleagues to meet with you. Uh, so that, that really means it's a very affordable solution for everybody. Also, you don't have to get your giants jump clients to jump through hoops to participate in your GoToMeeting. All they have to do is click that link. You send them in the email or in the calendar invite or even via chat. Uh, or even you could just give them the number verbally. They go to GoToMeeting.com, enter the meeting ID, and uh, boom, the software installs. It's always up to date. And then uh, they can not only see what's on your screen, they can show you what's on their screen. And the teleconferencing, the bridge is free. If for phone, and it includes uh, VoIP as well. So if they're on an iPad, they can use the iPad's built-in microphone and speakers, and they're part of the conference too. I'll never forget the first time that happened. I thought, wow, this is awesome. I was holding the phone and an iPad, and I said, oh, I don't need the phone. I just use the iPad. 
It's simple. It's smart. People say uh, dynamic. So happy we switched. It is just the best. Try it free right now for 30 days. Visit gotomeeting.com. Click the try it free button. And then please use the word Mac break when you uh, enter that in so that we get uh, credit for uh, your, your trial. Gotomeeting.com. Click the try it free button. Use the code MACBREAK. You're going to love it. Leo Laporte here. We are talking about, hey, we spent a whole 20 minutes talking about Macs. <laughs> we didn't mention the iPhone once. In fact, maybe let's okay. not mention it again because uh, the other big story, a uh, huge story. Uh, actually, Adam, you have the story on this, is the, uh, the virus toolkit that's being uh, offered around for Macintosh. Yeah, this is the end of in, the age of innocence is over, my friends. <laughs> you know, this is you want to talk about a whole nother world. Um, starting to look into this 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 security, uh, you know, what's going on in the security world? All malware. I mean, you know, when we got started, viruses were people goofing around, seeing what they could do. Now, malware is organized crime, and but you know. Criminals aren't always the smartest, so sometimes they can't actually program their own stuff. And so now what they do is they go out and buy what apparently is being called a crime kit. And uh, that allows them to generate malware. Um, you sort of tell you, it's a, you know, it's a graphical interface to making your own virus. And, uh, and then that virus can, in theory, be sent out and uh, uh, extracting credit card numbers or stealing authentication you know, credentials, that kind of stuff. And so, yes, yeah, so um, there's a Danish security firm, CSIS, that has, <coughs> has said they've, they found the first uh, evidence of the first crime kit targeting Mac OS X in a, in a fairly serious way. And that's a little distressing, honestly. You know, we've we've always sort of thought that we were running a little bit low, little little bit below the radar, and uh, this is perhaps indication that at least someone's willing to take a flyer on the possibility they could make money on, uh, you know, selling to criminals who are going to then steal credit card numbers from Mac users. So it's still a little bit of a tenuous connection, but hey, it's there. But that's a little my scary. understanding was that was going to be acquired by Sony, though, and so. <laughs> It wouldn't run on the Mac anyway, so it, it's not really going to be a problem, right? The, the really funny thing is I'm writing this up is I'm using exactly the same kind of phrases as, you know, you know and an iPad and Linux version is expected soon. <laughs> and it was, I was like, I'm writing about illegal software designed to break into computers. I, I can't just you know, use these exact same phrases as I do when I'm talking about, you know, new products from real companies. But... Yeah. Installation was not breeze. It was almost automatic. There was also, uh, and you have a story on this too, Adam, this Mac Defender uh, pseudo-virus, yeah. which has been a real problem on the PC sides uh, for a long time. Uh, it's a kind of a blackmail technique. You, you put a, a phony uh, uh, antivirus on the people's yeah. uh, system and then offer to disinfect for a price. Of course, when, they, when you give your credit card to these people, not only do they not disinfect you, but they probably charge a bunch of other things like new iMacs. <laughs> yeah, card. I think it's a pretty safe bet that, you know, they're one they'll charge you for the software and then they'll steal your credit card number. Yeah. So yeah, this is Mac Defender and I the people I feel really bad for is the there's a, a website called Mac Defender. It's a German software developer. As far as I can tell, they do GPS and geocaching related software and English is clearly not their first language, but they're taking taking a bit of a hit, uh, you know, they have to have, you know, big statements all over their website saying it's not us, it's not us. The good news um, is that in order to 
to get infected with this Mac Defender, you, ha you the user, have to jump through hoops. It, it, this, is, this is where Apple does have a little bit of an advantage. This, this is the serious one. So, you know, I mean, they can do some stuff to, to get it onto your computer. They're using what's called, um, they're poisoning search engines, search engine optimization. So they'll, they are getting sites about being bumped up in Google's results. And so you can do a legitimate search in Google, hit one of these sites because it's been artificially inflated, and then... Um, you know, end up going to the bad site. And apparently what it does is it shows a kind of Windows dialogue saying, you know, oh, scanning your system or whatnot. Meanwhile, a JavaScript By the is way, when you say Windows dialogue, it looks just like a Windows XP <laughs> dialogue. So that should be a hint. Hint, hint. hint. So, but, but here's the thing, is that even if it can get the software down to your computer, which you've got to still have, you know, the open safe files uh, checkbox in Safari or have allowed the appropriate things in Chrome or Firefox, the, it runs this installer app and you have to give it your admin password. <laughs> if anything ever asked you for your admin password to install software that you didn't do, don't do it. Yeah. Just say no. Yeah. Yes, but people have yeah. gotten into the habit of doing this. And you, when you look at these kind of Trojans and schemes, you wonder, well, who's dumb enough to fall for this? Because, one, I mean, how many times have we told people sort of off the record, you know, you don't really need to run antivirus software on your Macs, even though we have to kind of cover ourselves and say, there may come a day when you need to, but right now, no, you don't really need to. But I got an email from a couple of relatives last week who were saying, I've been told I've got a virus on my Mac. What do I do? Unfortunately, they asked me first before acting. And I said, you don't. It's a scheme. Just leave yeah. it alone until you hear from me. Don't touch it. But yeah. I think there are any number of people who see this pop up. And, and you know, they don't really know the difference between a XP dialog box and a Max dialog box. And they just go ahead and because they are accustomed now to saying, well, okay, by entering their admin passwords. This is pretty, I mean, do. I'm looking at the, the Intego uh, was the company that discovered this. And I'm yeah. looking at the screenshots. You know, it's not that XP. I was told it looks like XP. But no, it, the XP thing is on the web page. Ah, Okay. So yeah, the, once you the one thing that Integra was showing is that once you get this thing actually on your system, it's pretty pretty reasonable looking. You know, it doesn't right. have a horrible misspellings in the text, and you know the graphics are reasonable and all that. So once it's there, it's I could easily see someone being fooled by it. That's yeah. not the problem. Yeah. So no, I mean, I mean, if if I'm gonna if I would you know, sort of criticize Apple in any way for this, I would say that you enter your admin password so often now yeah. that it's really easy to get into that just sort of reflex habit of, oh, password, oh, my password, yeah. oh, my password. And so, you know... That's you, not you, Apple's you, fault, though. That's a problem on Windows as well. I mean, if you're, you know, if, if you were going to say you have to escalate to install software, you have to escalate to do these these things that viruses have to do. You're going to hit it a lot every time. You, we hit it more because I bet we install a lot more software than most people. Um, yeah. Well, I say I get it, I get it so often that I I get I really yeah, don't yeah, think yeah, very yeah, much, yeah, yeah. Okay, and okay, so okay, it's yeah. it's a real problem. But I just I just think that there there's got to be some research into different ways of doing admin level authentication that would be allow the user either a chance more to think or would you know say this is a different kind of thing that's going on. So Microsoft, yeah. you know, recognizing this, did turn down the number of alerts you see uh, in the UAC, which is their equivalent uh, of this, because they recognize people go, okay, 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 okay. Um, Apple never did it as much as Microsoft uh, did. 
But yeah. I don't, you know, if you do it at all, people are going to get a little inured to it and, and say, yeah, 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 I know what I'm doing. Especially since they've been told by this that I am, I am going to install software. I am Mac Defender. I, you need, they know you have to click OK to do that, right? So I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess the message should go forth. Uh, that you do have to. Apple users are no are not anymore in this, uh, you know, Eden. Somebody took a bite of the apple, and you got to be careful. Should people start buying Mac antiviruses? And I think they should. Uh, my, as, my, only only the, only the one that only the ones that cost more than eighty dollars a year for the subscription because those are the only ones that are actually good. <laughs> the more they um, cost, the better they yeah. are, right? <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm I'm pretty disappointed. It's every time that one of these quasi every time there's like a black hat exploit uh or there's a one of these uh, a, a security firm that's a consultancy that needs to get attention well in tigo let's the, let's be fair and tigo sells antivirus well I'm not, but this, I'm not, the, yeah. this was a good one at Please. least in this case where it Adam, really does go ahead let, 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 let him finish go ahead Adam, Andy. okay but what, what i'm saying is that every time that one of these things hits the news uh, i always get another piece of information from another company saying oh well we have the right. only uh, effective uh, mac antivirus suite and it turns out that it doesn't actually do anything but at least they're ready to build the database of people they can sell products to. I really think that uh, it is, I think, an interesting data point that not just individual viruses are being written, but now the tools for creating viruses uh, are now out in play. So we're still in a situation where we don't need to have antivirus, but we should definitely, <laughs> if we were using the five-scale uh, alert system, we'd be from blue to purple, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> We can, we should, we should, we, now we can now we can now now that uh, the U.S. government isn't using it for the TSA, we can co-opt it because now it's in the public domain. Purple so. sounds from like the, swollen the... and distended. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a show title. <laughs> it sounds like this has been lasting for more than four hours. Please see your doctor. <laughs> um, what about what about this? Here's what I think. I think that the good advice for for typical Mac users now is. I used to tell like like my parents. I would just say, "Don't install anything." Yeah, install what do you tell software. your parents? That's the question exactly. I I always used to say, "Don't install don't anything install. without talking to me." If anything ever asks you, they I, I don't you know they've been Mac users as long as they've had computers because of me, uh, and I don't recall them ever running into anything like this where it seemed like something on the web was trying to install something on their Mac. But I've told them if anything ever says you know you need to install something call me. So my mom will even call me when she gets prompted by software update that says, hey, there's a new, you know, stuff from Apple. And I'll say, okay, yeah, just click that button and, and that's good. Um, but for typical people, I would just say, you know, if you don't install any software on your Mac, except through the Mac App Store. In our chat room, our chat room in Conico says, just don't, just don't, when you install the uh, stuff for your mom and dad or whoever, <laughs> don't give them the admin password. Oh, I don't give my parents the admin password. So they have but to ask But that just shows, and I also think in the big picture, it shows the whole appeal of the iPad to people. You know, like people like us who are on this panel and almost certainly everybody who listens to shows like MacBreak Weekly are pretty confident that they can tell the difference between a legitimate, hey, you, you know, here's why you, an installer wants your password. Right. Well, duh, it's because I just double clicked the installer package for the new version of Xcode, I want to install something. Whereas if I'm just reading an article on a website and all of a sudden I'm prompted for my admin password yeah, to install sign. something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we have a level of sophistication about just a just a little bit about how these computers actually work and, and you're not going to get fooled like that. But there's millions and millions. Most people don't even have that sophistication. They really don't. And so when they see any kind of alert there, they tend to think, well, I better trust it because I don't want to mess up the computer. Um, that's that whole problem is just not there on iOS. And, you know, I don't really I think it's true for other 
other new mobile operating systems like Android as well, too, where individual apps just don't have the sort of privileges that, that we're used to. Well, and the App Store solves this, too, on the, uh, on the desktop, right. doesn't it? Uh, right. This is one of the things that I actually found really interesting about that little crime kit story was that the Danish security firm said that they understood that there was an iPad version Ooh. or you know, an iPad targeted version of this thing as well, which I thought was quite interesting because, you know, all the stuff that we know about as being security issues in Mac OS X and Safari and whatnot, you know, a lot of those do tend to move over into, into iOS, but iOS is also so sandboxed that, uh, that a lot of the same kinds of things that might work on the Mac are just aren't going to work. It really amazes me because a, a smartphone is the best platform. If I were a bad guy, that's where I'd target all my attacks. It's always connected. It's got all sorts of great information. It's just a, it's just a treasure trove. Uh, and I'm I'm really kind of shocked that we haven't seen big attacks. I guess it says something to the sandboxing that all of the uh, smartphone OSs do, for that very reason. I if boy I would and I'll be very curious to, to what this uh, what this kit does to on iOS because boy I'd love to go if I were I'm, again I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> if you were a criminal, I'm tempted what would though you I gotta say I'm tempted. <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's one of the reasons why possibly the most important feature on all of these smartphones, no matter what the OS, is the ability to securely remote nuke it. Because right, right. I, I, I once had a, had a, uh, a, a an ebook reader stolen. Fortunately, it was on fortunately it was on loan, uh, and the only thing, the only personal information it had was my Google logon, and even that alone said, oh. Damn it! What do they That's have? It, it, yeah, it turns out they, they don't have my personal email, but essentially, but they could have been able to get onto Google Reader and see the stuff that I was reading. Uh, I did if I were using Google a lot more uh, for a lot more stuff. They also would have had my e-commerce stuff. They also would have had uh, my personal emails. Again, none of that is true because I didn't actually use it that way. All I had to do was change the password. Uh, and so uh, when uh, when we started looking at this uh, this uh, security problem, this uh, privacy problem with the with the iPhone, I started sort of almost by reflex saying, "Gosh, I really wish there were a manual way so that if I knew I was if I needed to get rid of a phone quickly, that I don't I'm not even I'm not even satisfied with the ability with the ability to simply delete the the, the hash key uh, that encrypts all the data. I want to overwrite this thing with zeros nine times if I possibly can to make sure that people can't pull the flash and just sort of see if they can read it off of there too." It's, it is a scary situation. Uh, Adam, what does this crime kit cost, and how do you pay for it? Oh, it's not cheap. <laughs> so that's actually kind of interesting. It's, uh, I, I, this is, again, a world I had no idea existed. Um, it costs about $1,000, and, um, and it took me a while to figure out that it was $1,000 because the, the price of the Danish security firm listed was in 1,000 WMZ slash LR. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm googling around. I'm, <laughs> it's it's like, what the hell is a WMZ? It's like you know South African money or something. Yeah. But it turns out that there are a number of firms that, uh, as far as I can tell, they're kind of almost laundering firms, money laundering firms. Are I mean maybe that's I mean, that's sort of the wrong way of putting it. But basically they they do a lot of currency conversions with their sort of their own unit, and WMZ and LR. I'd have to go back and look what they are, but um, but they are two of these two of these sort of exchange unit um, money 
firms <laughs> and there's there's an exchange rate you can actually look up so so a thousand of the wmz's is something like i don't know 875 and i think that thousand of the lrs was 935 it, it was one of the things where i'm 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 sort of going down this rabbit hole of researching this thinking i don't need to know i really don't need to know i don't want these people knowing i'm even looking at them yeah but i see here even ads on google for exchange buy sell yeah. wmz and lr yeah 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 it's, it's so money laundering obviously yeah <laughs> yeah so but i'm just wondering so, who would entrust any kind of payment system to these people <laughs> but that's, that's that's the whole point of these sites i think is that i think they act as anonymous middlemen so that neither oh, okay. party. So you, you have crooks on either end, but you yeah, have a legitimate yeah. body in the middle. <laughs> so WMZ so stands for each other up. WMZ stands for web money, yeah. and yeah. LR, liberty LR something. says li yeah liberty <laughs> yeah liberty from what liberty <laughs> reserve, and liberty uh, reserve. there are a lot of people that do this. I've you know Bitcoin, which is very interesting. We did a whole show on Bitcoin and security. Now I think really because you can you can generate these bitcoins on your Mac or any computer with uh, spare cycles, and then there is a market for Bitcoin in cash. And I, the only reason I could think of that why that would be is because it's a great way to launder money. You know, does it, it almost have sounds a piece like of this somewhere? And is this World of Warcraft money or <laughs> it's gold? <laughs> <laughs> It almost sounds like one of those job interview questions where it's like a, a logic puzzle and it's like, okay, <laughs> you're, you're doing credit card transactions. How would you design a credit card transaction system when your customers are credit card thieves? <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. it's, yeah. it's yeah. really it's like bizarre land. Suddenly I'm imagining a really, really, really suspicious like Google interview question. Let's say that you operate a search engine, but your terms of use forbids you from monetizing personal <laughs> pictures of people's firm. How would you a, be able to circumvent this and, <laughs> and, and, and just develop a presence in the Asian market? Or use, code examples, use code examples if necessary. This is, this is, uh, and you're right. As I go to these pages, I get just... Uh, very queasy, Adam, about looking at these pages because... Well, and as a, you know, there's this whole question of like, you, I mean, I, I gather that some of these, this, some of these, uh, root, these crime kits, you know, you get support too. You know, you can just imagine like, you know, the, the, the like the, the, the ex-cons, you know, answering the phone. Hey, what do you want help yeah, with? Yeah, we'll help you. <laughs> so uh, here's your email address. You want to change it from HD Money or Liberty Reserve Two, I guess you can only exchange from one to the other. I don't know what HD money is. Uh, wow. There's about 10 of them, or 10, 10 of these really exchange things that I found. Amazing underbelly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't, that, isn't it just freaky yeah, when you start seeing this stuff? And, and as we <laughs> talked about in the pre-show, if you're going to do business selling to crooks, <laughs> expect, to, <laughs> expect to be ripped off. Right. And on the other hand, you definitely don't want to break your license agreement because you know, somebody's going to come over break your and talk to you. Nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no. One of, one of these things I was looking at, they actually, of course, they've got copy protection. Oh, yeah. You know, they lock it to a single computer. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, the, the, the irony here is just so wonderful. Amazing. <laughs> just amazing. Well, we're going to talk about location tracking and the white iPhone. Is white thicker? <laughs> And we have another show title. <laughs> we Can we do a whiter shade of pale? A whiter shade of thick. Um, Apple says no. but we'll It's creamier. It's creamier. We know it's that. It's creamier, and therefore it's thick. But Apple says the black Ooh. is just as thick. 
But we will talk just a bit about that. First, I want to mention our friends at Hover.com. And guys, I'm going to give you a minute to think of some jokes, okay? This is your, <laughs> this is your comedy writing moment. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, you got to come back with something. Register your domain. Save 10% right now with the best domain registrar in the business. It's Hover.com. They don't sell a lot of services. They focus on just making it simple, straightforward, and easy to register and manage domains and email. And there's some great features about Hover.com besides the fact that they don't upsell you every step of the way. You know, some of these guys, it takes 90 clicks to buy a domain, not at Hover.com. In fact, if you go right now to MacBreak.Hover.com, you can take a look at their simple, clean user interface. Um, buy a domain, transfer a domain. Uh, it just couldn't be easier. And and here's a special uh, deal for Twit and MacBreak audience members. Free transfer concierge service. One of the things I like about Hover.com and wish I had used, I didn't, I didn't, I was cheap. I wanted to save the 25 bucks. And I said, oh, I could do those transfers myself. I'm still in transfer domain transfer hell because those other guys just don't want to give it up. Let Hover do that. And and for you, you don't have to pay the 25 bucks. Just go to MacBreak.Hover.com. And they will do all the transfers for you without any charge. So you don't have to do any of that hard work of transferring the domain. The transfer itself does cost $10 a domain, but that extends your domain name, whatever the uh, top-level domain, for another year. That's a big bargain on a lot of these domain names. And free who is privacy because they know you really want privacy. Why should you be upsold to privacy? It just comes with the domain name. I'm really a fan, and I think you'll like it. Next time you need to register a domain, macbreak.hover.com. You know what a really good use is? If you're still using an e a email address that has a AOL.com, an Earthlink.net, a Comcast.net at the end of it, get off the ISP's service, create your own mail domain. Then when you change ISP's, you don't have to change the email with friends or family. You know, just use, you know, I have leoville.com. It forwards to Gmail. Uh, but but use Hover to do the forwarding, and you will never have to change your email address again. And it looks more professional, to be honest. Hover is great. MacBreak.Hover.com. Give them a try today. I think you will like them. And by the way, if you need support and you call Hover.com, you'll find they have a great policy. No hold. They will not put you on hold during regular business hours when you call them at 866-731-6556. MacBreak.Hover.com. We thank them for their support of MacBreak Weekly. All right, I've given the panel a chance to write their jokes. <laughs> we'll do this quickly. There is a white iPhone. Anybody, anybody buy one? I'm tempted to buy one just because they. I, I have seen one because uh, I was at uh, my kid's high school, and a and a kid walks up to me. He said, "Look, I got one." I don't know. Was he waiting? Anybody have pent a, up demand? Pent up. To, is there pent up demand for the white iPhone? And why did Apple do a press release? Let's be honest. <laughs> Because I, I, I think it's because right now it's a it's as is it's a legendary failure of Apple and Apple wants to make sure people know that Apple fails at nothing. See, See? we can do a white phone. We did it. It took we us a year. We mastered the entire spectrum. Light is as our unwilling servants. We have black we Apple. and we have white. Right. It between? really is. It's hard to believe. Like if if I would have told you if I would have come on your show a year ago, in May. And predicted, you know, I think, the, here's what I think. I think they're going to come out with two iPhone 4s. One's going to be one color, one's another color. But they're not going to be, they're going to wind up unable to make the one color for nine months. <laughs> I, you know, you would think, what? How can that be? It's Apple. 
Like the one month delay, the, the first time when they're like, hey, this white one, it's going to take about a month. Wait till the end of July. That seemed like, oh, well, something weird happened. But, you know, even Apple screws up. But when the July deadline came and went, it was like, <laughs> this is like really, really weird. I was, I was trying to figure out what could possibly explain that kind of a delay because it's not as though they didn't test a white iPhone. If there were, if there's, it had to, I figured it has to be manufacturing. Unfortunately, I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to uncover anything inside about it, uh, no. inside information about it, but it's like it had to have been a manufacturing thing, don't you think? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, and, and I think with the PR or with the, the interview that, that Ina Fried had with Steve Jobs and Schiller and Forstall last week, I think one of them might have hinted at, it was like an offhand remark, but it was something about maybe the way that it aged over time, like the like they were making them. I mean, and anybody who was at WWDC last year could get their hands on one that had, you know, equal number of black and white ones in the thing. But maybe it was like that thing, because remember a couple years ago, there were the white iBooks that like they six, seven, yellowed. eight months into, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they got yellowed over time. And maybe they figured out that, that somehow the way they were making these, that they knew that these weren't going to stay white over time. And they, and you know... Yeah, I mean, it's not like Apple doesn't have some experience with white. <laughs> I mean, they've got this, and then there's yeah. this, and yeah. then we have this. I mean, this stuff isn't Bakelite, you know, where it starts <laughs> out, you know, this kind of color, and then suddenly a decade later, it's it's orange. Um, you know, I have I have the original iPod, and I have, one is I have one, a but it still works. I have, a you know, white, still white. I have a white 2003 iPod I was trying to get working today. I can't get it to work, but it's white. It's still white. Still white. Yeah, mine, yeah. mine's still white. Look, look. Yeah. Well, maybe it interacts <laughs> but, 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 with, but, but, with ear, you know. Earwax? Something. <laughs> earwax. I don't know. You know, you press against your ear and suddenly that heats it up. Okay, and, so and don't so you put your this. white iPhone in your ear. We know that much. Apparently See, I, I think the problem was they were having trouble with the paint names because, I mean, everyone who's ever gone to buy paint knows that it's not white. No. There's mayonnaise, there's ivory tusk, okay. there's rich yeah, and cream. And it can't be ivory because that's not politically correct. So. And don't buy mayonnaise paint for your house. Just I just <laughs> I think that's a bad idea. A it's crew, delicious, though. Eggshell, anything like that, but not mayonnaise. It attracts raccoons like no one's business. <laughs> and then you're back to the same boring brown house you had before. You know, I love it. The Consumer Reports took this so seriously they actually measured <laughs> and they say according to consumer reports the most trusted name in consumer reports in white Sorry, <laughs> most trusted name in white <laughs> they say it is not thicker it just looks thicker <laughs> well you had they had to write those calipers off somehow and so they, it's it's like, do you see a vase or do you see two ladies kissing? Well, it's, it's an optical illusion. They, should, they, they shouldn't have taken the test photos with all like lined up like in front of parallel lines like that. that that's what just bamboozled them. It just cracks but, me up. Yeah, when, I, when I was talking to people earlier on, I wasn't able to, like I said, I wasn't able to find any inside information about uh, the white iPhone. But I was talking to people who are in manufacturing who said... Uh, very curiously, that white is one of the hardest things to make anything, especially if you're dealing with either a new material or a new process you haven't worked with before. Because there can be there there can you you can, you can have something that's close to black, you can have something that's kind of the right shade of blue. No matter how car, no matter how carefully you do it, you can get close enough that people will recognize it as blue. But that's the one color where white is just white. It is not there's nothing else but white. Uh, and so now it makes me think that. 
they're, they also explained to me that there are ISO procedures, there are standardized procedures for simulating aging on a material. Uh, so it's not as though this, they didn't find out until the samples started being six to eight months old. I, it, it's possible that they got something out of the oven or they got they completed a test suite and the second batch, the third batch, were all like starting to yellow or were all starting to fade. Or right. they, 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 he, I, I wish I had the list here, but they, he, he mentioned like eight different sets of tests uh, on, on consumer devices, uh, going to sunlight, going to simple age, uh, actual movement of air, changes in heat, and there's also even a test for just uh, skin oil and tactile uh, interactions like that. Uh, and I don't know and whose job, who, who, gets, who gets paid to just keep doing like this on a phone like 12 hours a day. <laughs> I want that job. Shifts. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, was, I, I thought that that's one of those lines that's going to that's gonna stick with me. Of one, one of my, huh, did I just hear what I just heard? White is actually hard. So I, I hope I, I hope that I do live long enough for like that book that explains the, the, the really great Skunk Works book that explains everything that went into like developing Apple products because there are a line of people trying to figure out how did Apple not figure out a problem before they were <laughs> they committed to a launch. Can trip. I can I submit and you guys could shoot this down a conspiracy theory by holding on to this? Yes, I agree with it. I endorse this 100%. It's Obama's I've fault. I've seen the evidence no. that he cited, <laughs> and I validated as completely By true. By holding on to the white iPhone until shortly before the end of life of the iPhone 4, Apple can artificially pump up some, gin up some sales. It doesn't, I can't even say it with a straight face. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they didn't think. So, Chris, Chris do you have a white album behind you there? Can we uh, see yeah, how that's aged? I do. Let's see. Get, pull out the, Chris is. Chris Hang is on. sitting in front of 100 You're yards right worth of, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> vinyl albums. And if they're alphabetical, if he goes to the top left, oh, good, they're not. Oh, maybe it's white by, uh, maybe, maybe he it's He actually organizes them by color. By I'm color. Sure. Yeah, he's looking in the white section. If you have any pre-Dark Side Floyd, I'm coming in the mood for that. You know, I really enjoy uh, the fact that every time he's on, he has a different front-facing album. I don't know what that one is. We'll have to ask him about it. And ladies and gentlemen, from 1967... We give you the Beatles. Actually, was it 66 and the White Album? Uh, this is 68. 68. And, uh, and not only do I have the White Album, but... It's white! Uh, I have plastic it on white vinyl. That has not yellowed in any way! No, look at that, huh? Chris, I'm so jealous. <laughs> is that an original? Yeah, this is a, this is a limited but he's not edition white a vinyl wow. pressing of the uh, Beatles' White Album. Now... My, if you were a real Beatleologist, you'd have the white album that has the butcher cover underneath the white. We still have all the pictures. Look at that. He's are we going to get sued for this, too? Can I, Probably. Can I show these pictures? EMI's or? coming after us. YouTube is going to pull the video down. Yeah, you I don't can't know even, even show a, an album anymore. See, there's that. So if you go to the uh, Verizon store to buy there's a white iPhone 4, uh, you might notice a new little sticker on the back. It says remove before use, which you probably have to do since it's on the front, actually. <laughs> I, don't think you, I don't think you could leave it on. And it says this device, this is unbelievable. This device is capable of determining its and your physical geographical oh. location and can associate this location data with other consumer information, customer information to limit access to location information by others. Refer to the user guide for location settings and be cautious. When downloading, accessing, or using applications, oh, slime balls. I, I, I think I think somebody in Cupertino is pissed off. I would be. <laughs> I'd be shocked <laughs> yeah. if anybody in at Apple signed off on that. But do they oh, have to? Really? I mean, maybe they. Oh don't. no! It got to be true. I mean, because the people who know your location are the cell carriers. 
and doesn't say a thing about that. Well, that's that. a good point. They should say I mean, we. It's not the device. It's the the all-knowing Verizon eye in the sky knows exactly where you that's are a, at any given moment, and we're happy to hand that over to law enforcement. So uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be the last time we mention location gate. Please don't throw <laughs> anything at me for using that phrase. Um, but the, there was that great Ina Fried uh, uh, interview uh, on all things digital, and I think that uh, it was uh, it was Steve Jobs, interestingly, who gave that interview, uh, along with uh, Scott Forstall. Uh, uh, John Gruber, what 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 was uh, what, what what was their story? What what did they tell uh, Ina? Well. I, I, I think the interview was interesting. I think I think maybe the story is better told from Apple's press release with the questions and answers. There's but, a huge FAQ in there, yeah. Right, but it is complicated, and and it's it's two different things. And I'm not even sure that it because it is because they 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 intertwingle. It's two different things that that have like a, a nexus in the Venn diagram, you know, parlance, which is what is Apple collecting about location data, like from devices sent back to Apple and stored by Apple. And what, it, what are the devices themselves, your device, what is it remembering in a log or a database or a cache, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that's two totally different things, privacy-wise, because the, this whole location gate story was about a log, a database, cache, whatever you want to call it that's stored on your device and therefore backed up to your computer through iTunes. But it means that anybody who wanted to take advantage of it would need access to the device or to your computer where your backups are. That's not to say it's not a real issue because people lose phones all the time. Uh, somebody who is specifically targeting you could certainly try to steal your phone. Um, so to have that information, you know, and most people, I certainly, I don't think anybody really realized that your phone contained a database like that, that went back a year and more or less told you at least what basic vicinity you were in at any time over, over the last year. Apple um, in the FAQ you refer to says something right off, off the top that kind of, it feels a little Clintonian. Question one, why is Apple tracking the location of my iPhone? Apple says, right. Apple is not tracking the location of your iPhone. Apple has right. never done so, and Apple has no plans ever to do so. Doesn't that sound like Bill Clinton saying, well, it depends what your meaning is, is. Yeah. What's the meaning of the look tracking? Uh, yeah, and I think that gets back to they're, they're trying to, and, I, and I, I actually think in hindsight that some of the tone of that Q&A is actually a little bit off because it's there, yeah, it, there's a little, it's a defensive attitude towards that. And I think that it's actually obscuring what they're trying to say. Because they're trying to emphasize the first point, which is what is Apple collecting about individual users' locations? And they're saying, we're not. We're not collecting your individual stuff that, that can be tracked to you. Um, but it's all, it all gets complicated when you use Apple a-P-P-L-E as the subject, right? right? So Apple's not collecting it, but your iPhone is collecting it. <laughs> that's, Apple, that's what I mean by Clintonian. Someone's right. collecting it. And Apple is collecting location data. It's just not specific to individual users or devices. It's about uh, collecting location data about 
cell towers and Wi-Fi so, network hotspots. So in truth, Apple's collecting location data, in fact, we, according to F-Secure, twice a day about all iPhones in aggregate. I understand that. But, but Apple is collecting location data from my iPhone. That sounds to me like Apple is tracking the location of my iPhone. I understand they can't get it. It can't be back to me. But I think for them to say it's not doing that, that's no, a mistake on their part. Well, they're saying they're anonymizing it, though. So they're saying they're collecting collecting the data, but that doesn't mean they can connect it to you. I understand, but when they oh, say I, unequivocally, Apple is not tracking the location of your iPhone. That I at mean, the beginning that, of the FAQ, yeah. that's that's a mistake. Yeah, there, there's there's a filter that I uh, when I wrote about this for the Sun Times last week, I essentially said that Apple <laughs> needs to hire an autistel which is somebody who doesn't use technology, doesn't own a million of bunches of phones. They, he, she just gets $5,000 every time Apple wants to read them a press release or a piece of ad copy just to see how someone who is not familiar with this sort of stuff would react to it. And then they go uh, on in part two and say, users are confused. Dude. But they, but they did. But they did. But in the same paragraph, they also said that Apple is Powerful. also responsible for not educating right. people the way that they should have. So. Right. And, and well, I think we're I think all in agreement. We're all in agreement on this panel that this is a uh, kind of a tempest in a teapot. That anybody yeah. who's paying yes. attention knows that the phone does all this, and it's you know you're asked if you you know this is all part of the deal. It's it's what a phone does, a smartphone does. So I'm not I'm not berating Apple for doing it. I'm just saying that they didn't. Ha I think they didn't handle it well. Now the Steve Jobs Scott Forstall interview with Ina Freed, I think was pretty well done. In fact, they revealed something. That Apple is yes. collecting a database of traffic information for a future yeah. service. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I thought what also, also was interesting is they used to do Wi-Fi location through Skyhook, and then they stopped. Right. And yet they could, they could tell where you were, and they said, well, Apple is doing this. Well, how are they doing this? Well, it turns out that that's what part yeah. of this information is for, is that as you walk around with your iPhone, it recognizes where Wi-Fi hotspots are, and it sends that information off to Apple. Apple, continued, I mean, Apple continued to use Skyhook until iOS 4 was shipped, which is, wasn't that long ago. But right. I, uh, Google has been doing the same thing with its Street View cars. That's why Google got in trouble collecting data from access points in Germany. Is they were well, no, Google got in trouble for a different reason. Google got in trouble because they were not collecting just they the location stored of the little Wi-Fi points. They were also getting snippets of the actual right. content, and which was just a mistake. I mean, yeah. it was it's in the process mistake. In the process of doing a yeah. Skyhook-style database. Right, so, precisely. Apple's not the only company that makes mistakes like this. Well, I mean, these things happen. No, this, I, mean, I mean, the other thing we're, I think we're running into, it was kind of interesting. I was looking at my, my Tibbets issue this week. Is, you know, Before those two security things hit, we had the white iPhone, we had the location gate stuff, and, um, uh, oh, uh, the Snow Leopard font update. So we had three situations where Apple basically screws up and then fixes it. And, you know, it's nice to see them doing it, but it's also good to see that, hey, they're not perfect. Yeah, maybe that's part of the problem is that there is this, there is this kind of feeling in the general world, and certainly <laughs> among Apple fans, that Apple makes no, <laughs> makes no mistakes, that they're yeah, the, great, stuff's hard. the great Oz. Yeah. Although that it, it really does show you that it's, a, it's part of a consistent pattern that Apple's following, that any time that they can see an opportunity to, uh, to reduce or eliminate their resistance on outside companies' technology or databases, they're going to do yeah. it. So right. if they have the ability to simply say, what if we were to build our own traffic database? What if we were to build our own Skyhook database? Uh, what if we build our own system for traffic so we don't have to uh, rely on an outside service for that? It's consistent with what they're doing with Flash. It's just absolutely crystal clear consistent. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I also think that this whole thing is a good example of the importance of a demo, um, by which I mean that this database, consolidated.db, this file in iOS 4, which this demo uses, was has been known about apparently since like last August or so. And by September, it was very well known within iPhone forensics circles. There's a book that was published in mm. uh, November or October that says everything that, everything that anybody yep. knows about it was right there. Hmm. But it got no press, no publicity. And when these two guys from O'Reilly found it and got interested, they took it one step further and wrote this real nice app yeah. and it hooks up to mapping APIs. And all you have to do is is download it and they provide the source code. So if you don't trust them, you can check it out of GitHub and look to make sure that they're not sending this location data. It just reads this file out of your iTunes backup of your iPhone and then shows you a map and has a little slider for the last like 12 months and here's everywhere you've been. And I... Like many people, I downloaded it. I tried it, and I have to say, I was my eyebrows went up. And I was like, "Wow, that's pretty much every place I've been in the last year." It was unfortunate because the demo said we're going to fuzz uh, location data, even though the database has more specific location data. So we never got to see how much the iPhone truly knows about our location. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, and so I would have loved to see. Well, is it now, Adam? You point out that the your iPhone yeah. showed you in places you've never been. Yeah, see, the thing is, is because I travel all around upstate New York for races, um, when I looked at my data, it was, there was, uh, uh, you know, I could see the dots, presumably cell towers, um, that were in places where I've never even heard of before. But yes, I probably drove within right. 20 or 40 miles of there, you know, enough for the iPhone to pick up the area. So it was pretty clear that it wasn't really getting... Uh, getting my actual location. The one thing that I found interesting is, is um, with some of our comments uh, after that, I published my article on it, what people were saying was like, but I actually kind of want that information. I want to know where exactly I've been. And uh, so some people were a little miffed about the fuzzing just because they wanted to see the I know, I did location. too. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see it. By the way, if you want to see uh, this book that, uh, that um, John was talking about, you can buy it. Uh, it's, on, uh, it's on Amazon, just 4662. It's an A-Press book iOS forensic analysis for iPhone, iPad, and iPad Touch. And I can imagine that they've sold quite a few copies in the last few days from, from <laughs> yeah, talk about members of the press heaven, who, yeah, who want to see. You can get it on the Kindle right now. We want to see, well, what else is in there that we should uh, know about? And I think that was part of the concern was that uh, we know that uh, police have these, these Cellbrite devices that allow them to, in a minute and a half, suck all the data out of your iPhone and other smartphones. So I think that's part of the reason that people are concerned as well. Um, but you know what? Law enforcement doesn't need that. They can check in with uh, your cell carrier at any time and say, hey, where's Leo right now? What's he up to right now? Should we arrest him? Yeah, well, you'd be more, you're, more, you're more bothered by the idea of, again, the, the, the relationship that is going very, very badly and the person who lives with you in your house who has access to your computer. And that's so, a real issue. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But that and, and, that's, and that's also the sort of thing where, you know, if you're doing something, you know, in that sort of relationship sort of thing, and it's, you're still staying, you're not leaving town, well, then maybe this, this data isn't going to have any kind of incriminating stuff behind because you're only talking about a few miles. Right. But if you 
tell your wife that you know in October you were going to a conference in San Antonio, and then she fires this thing up, and you were in Vegas. <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> you can't say, well, no, I must have been connected to a cell tower in Vegas while I was in. San <laughs> oh wait, the flame, the plane true flew through Vegas on the way. Yeah, right. I left the phone on. Actually, that's a good. I'll have to remember that. No, uh, you want to <laughs> sign up for a courier who will carry your phone to other locations for you, and you have your spare right. phone. You know, I use Google Latitude uh, on both the iPhone and on my Android phone, and it not it says exactly where I am at all times. It updates every thirty seconds, and uh, you know, so we're we're using these tools. We know this, uh, and in some ways, there's a real advantage to that. I love the idea that I could do find my iPhone and find it. I wish it were more accurate. I, my son, uh, a friend of my son, lost his iPhone. And we did find my iPhone, and it was in a bait. We thought it was in a baseball field. I spent hours searching that baseball field, and it turned out that was where he was, and he had it at home. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pain in the butt. So Apple is going, uh, and Steve Jobs said this, when uh, we will go, we will testify. The Senate has uh, called a hearing. Apple and Google both are going to respond to this hearing on mobile device privacy. Um, I, I have to say, and Jobs uh, points this out, that uh, on an iPhone, anytime any app uses location data, you get a pop-up, uh, even if you've given it permission before. Uh, Android does not do that. You give it permission once, and it cont continue to have that permission yeah. as long as that app is there. On a, on a per app I basis. Love, yeah, on a per app basis. And, 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 and at any point, even if you just want to reassure yourself, you go into preferences and see a yeah. list of every single app that can access con uh, location controls. And you can physically see, okay, I have allowed this app, this app, and this app, and all the others are not allowed. And you, and you can revoke it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So. And it also shows you which ones have actually used it, not just oh, that's uh, great. not just which ones have you've granted the permission to, but you can go and check and say which apps have actually used my location recently. So, in, so, so in this respect, I think Apple's done a very good job. I wish they would do the same thing for the camera and the, and the microphone, but uh, maybe they will <laughs> at some point. Um, but I think that that's, that's exactly how it should be handled. Uh, I agree. I think that's a good point. I do think that they should do the same thing with the camera and the microphone. Yeah, you bet since we now know that there are apps without our knowledge that turn those things on. Right, like the color app like color. where, and it's super clever. I mean, it's ingenious but where they use the, you think you're, take, you're using a, a photography app. So I don't think anybody is surprised <laughs> that color turns on the camera. Um, but it also the uses microphone? the microphone yeah. because it tries to identify, hey, this sounds the same as the other guy who's using color, so they must be in the same place. Actually, and I don't, this I find hard to believe, the color people told us that it doesn't even do a fingerprint. I thought it was doing a fingerprint, like this is the noise level. It's just seeing if it's a noisy room or not a noisy room and setting a bit. Mm -hmm. The reason being, I guess, if you're in a busy room, you're more likely to have other people using color. If it's a quiet room, well, we're not going to... It doesn't... To me, it didn't pass a sniff test, but he was. He seemed like an honest, nice guy. And, uh, and so I believe him. But it was just. And you strange. paid him in WMZ. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to impugn these guys. But uh, that's a strange thing to do. Well, we just want to see if you're in a noisy room. <laughs> and we. Ne and by the way, they never send any sound back to their server. They say the problem is this stuff is is impossible to verify the way it stands now, and that's we have to trust that Apple is is checking this when they when they uh, you know approve the app. One of the, one of the things that I think is is worth keeping in mind whenever you're dealing with any of these sort of questionable practices is where is the money so when people are getting into their you know into a bunch about how apple's you know is tracking your iphone and everything well why would apple want to track your iphone right you know 
how is this in any way going to benefit them without endangering their massively lucrative iPhone business? I you agree. Know, you I... see where the money is. And so, so I think you know, it's sort of that investigative journalism rule, follow the money. Mm -hmm. And if you can't follow the money, it's probably just a technical mistake or, 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 or nothing at all. I think that's, that's exactly right. Consi you know, when you're examining Facebook, Google, Apple, ask yourself, where do they make their money? Wh what is it that they do to make money? And, uh, Facebook makes money. I still never figured that out. <laughs> and how would they make money? By, you know, same way Google does, by taking personal information and targeting ads to that personal information. Uh, Apple doesn't make any money on that. I am looking forward to a, yeah. uh, a if they're going to do traffic data, they're going to do a map app, right? Because right now they use Google Maps. You can't just put the traffic data in Google Maps. It sounds like Apple would be doing a specific application for that purpose, right? Maybe a, and, yeah. maybe a turn-by-turn turn GPS. Uh, yeah, Navigon-like or TomTom-like. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that has something to do with the, uh, the way this, the FAQ is worded that Apple doesn't want to show its cards. I mean, yes. we know they're very private about what, they, what they're working on. And so they want to, yes, we're not, we're not collecting personal information, but we are going to do something with it. But we're not going to tell you what that is mm -hmm. because we've got something very cool coming down the line, but we can't, we can't expose that by saying, you know, okay, we did this, 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 and this with mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So sometimes it really is like uh, talking to a six-year-old about whether or not he brushed his teeth. Right. Yeah, you, right. <laughs> you, you have to see. You have to say, one hour ago when I told you to get ready for bed, <laughs> did you put take out your toothbrush, put toothpaste on it, scrub every inch of your teeth inside and out, spit it out, and then put the toothbrush back? You can't simply say. You, know, you give them the out of yes, I have brushed my teeth in my life. <laughs> no, they Andy, say, for somebody, um, look, white iPhone. <laughs> Andy, for somebody who doesn't have kids, you're very smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, be, see, because I have not been living with kids for ten years, they have not ground me down. I have back back when my nieces and nephews were young, they did they, they did one of the kids like a, a few years ago did tell me that the thing is when you babysit had us we couldn't get away with stuff because you were thinking about everything that we did <laughs> don't mess with <laughs> uncle andy actually i don't even know if i trust somebody named uncle andy <laughs> i'm sorry uh, apparently there's a there's a somebody in the chat room just told me there's a job posted for an ios maps application developer for apple Come work for the team that revolutionized the mobile technology industry as it continues to define what computing looks like in a post-PC era. Boy, they even put cell copy in their job descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> the Maps team is looking for a proactive and hardworking software engineer to join our team, along with excellent skills in object-oriented software design and programming. The successful candidate will have real-world experience developing sophisticated user interfaces. Hmm. We're looking to fill the position of maintaining our supremacy and awesomeness. <laughs> if you want to work for the best company the world has ever known or ever will know. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, as, as someone who was just traveling a whole bunch in the last, last 10 days, I like the idea of the Maps app, but boy, does it bug me to use it. You know, if you want to do more than find out where you are, it's just, I find it frustrating beyond belief. Um, you know, I'll take one of the turn-by-turn the -turn navigation apps any day. Both Andy and I love the Motion X uh, products. There's a, I would highly recommend Motion X GPS. You know what uh, Randall Schwartz told me he does before he goes to any city. He down, you can cache the maps. He downloads all the maps so he doesn't have to spend money on data.
and then the GPS drive is, is I think, the best turn-by-turn -turn, uh, GPS I've ever used. It's great on the iPad because of this big screen. I use it yeah, all I, the time. I, I think it's the only one that really communicates as an iPhone or an iOS app as opposed to here is software that we built for right. generic $69 dashboard things. And hey, well, you know, let's just copy right. it. If copy you were going to buy it, Tom, Tom, it would look just like this. Isn't I'm pretty fond awful. of Navigon. Um, really? I find Navigon. Navigon doesn't. There, there's. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There was was a co-pilot. Um, looks like it was you know like a, a port from a Commodore 64 or something. Right. But uh, but Navigon, you know, I I do not get frustrated by you know the lack of iOS conventions. Toolbars work. Contacts work. Things like that. So. Uh, before we get to our picks of the week, one more story. Uh, it's purely speculative, but uh, we keep seeing rumors about iCloud. Uh, now there's code. Uh, people have noticed in the developer uh, release of OS X Lion that refers to something called Castle and moving all your mobile me data to the castle. Uh, in the sky. That's in a the Chuck sky. reference, I think. <laughs> Is it? Is that what he calls? Yeah, yeah. His? The, the CIA headquarters is to, or their 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 hideout is uh, is called Castle. Jeez. So hey, hey! I actually knew a guy. I got a pop culture that's reference. That's awesome. Come on, that's awesome. So now we know <laughs> that's what the castle is. But uh, uh, presumably, we're everybody's still looking for what is that North Carolina data center for? It's it's so much bigger than the data center Apple currently has in Newark, California. Um, it must be for something. Uh, iCloud is the rumor. Uh, John Gruber, Adam Engst, you guys, you know, got your finger to the pulse. Chris <laughs> Breen, Adam, I mean, we got four of the top Mac journalists in here. Somebody must know something about iCloud. One of you knows too much and can't say. Not me. I, I don't know anything. Anybody <laughs> NDA'd? I'm just speaking. Quiet. Uh, just no. anybody NDA'd? Anybody want to say? Such a good boy <laughs> sitting so politely over there. <laughs> the rest of you should can speak. <laughs> now, anybody may recuse themselves, but it, do you think this is true? What would it look like? Well, I'll start with you, Chris Breen, iCloud. What do you know? I know nothing, but I think it's about time. Um, I think this is one of those situations. <laughs> it's not about time you know nothing. It's about time there was an iCloud. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Although those of us who have been walking in your shadow are just glad you admit it's about time you know nothing. Yes, right. It's... Um, you know, it's one of these situations where Apple is always given credit for innovating and, and making things out of thin air. But they're also very, very good at taking technologies that are terrible and making them great. And I think uh, this is one of those situations. The, the difference this time is that they actually made some effort to get into this market, much like they did with the original Apple TV. It isn't very good. Mobile Me just isn't what it should no. be. But... And Google is better, but it's still too fragmented and too difficult to use for normal people. So I think this is the reboot of a syncing cloud-based service that actually, actually works. And then it takes uh, your media and, and puts it in the cloud so it's available everywhere. I, mean, I, I think that's the, the dream is having your media in the ether so you can get it anywhere you want. Now that Just you limit media this or perhaps my docs as well? Oh, I think everything. Everything. I think it be, just becomes an extension, so it's now the Big Mac in the sky. An Apple Dropbox, for instance, something like that? Yeah. Well, that I, would I certainly think, yeah. make sense. I mean, that's so good right. for the yeah. Apple not to look at that and say, that's the standard that we have to at least meet and right. better if we can and do it free, best of all, or at least for a very reasonable price. I think people try to like MobileMe, and if you use all the parts of it, it can be very good, but most people don't. 
sinking is still a mess, and that's I mean, that's number one. Fix sinking on iOS devices and the cloud and your computer, and people will be greatly relieved. And then after that, the media is important. It's nice to be able to get your media wherever you are. Ideally, it would be all your media, but I think it's going to be Apple's media. And then, well, and, and there's real issues. You, you know, we had Michael Robertson of MP3.com on uh, triangulation, and his company, MP3.com, was put out of business. Uh, by the record companies, particularly yeah. Universal Vivendi, who sued him, saying because what their service it was such a great service and nobody's done it since. You would put a CD in there, would fingerprint the CD and say, okay, yeah, we got that one, and then yeah. you would be able to play that song back without ripping it, without uploading it. Now everybody, including Amazon, requires you to upload it because of that uh, decision. Um, so I can't imagine that Apple. But on the other hand, if you just as with Amazon, if you buy a song from Apple. Then you bought the license, so we can say, yeah, we got it. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what it ought to be, is that right. you've, they've got a record. Yeah, I bought it here, Let's and, yeah. and then they could prove that. Um, and you're right, because if you've ripped uh, CDs that you've gotten from the library or elsewhere, it's they have no way of knowing it's that you actually work. own it, so yeah. that becomes a real issue. John Gruber, you, you sound like you agree that iCloud is, is a Dropbox clone. Well, I don't think it might be a clone. Maybe it won't. I hope so. I hope it can replace Dropbox. But here's the, here's the other factor in this that I think is essential, and Dropbox is definitely a key to it, um, is the role that Dropbox is growing to take for third-party developers, right? Because there, there's not just a cottage industry in iPad text editors. There's a cottage industry in iPad text editors that specifically use Dropbox as the backend and the storage Plain and text, some of them are great elements, i bet everybody here has yep. a couple of favorites they're yep. fantastic right yep. there yep. is no way to do that through apple like if you're just want to write a text editor that syncs data apple has no answer for you right you and so you've got to count on the user having a dropbox account now dropbox is free and it's great but it's just like Andy said before, Apple doesn't like to rely on other people. And the truth is, iOS users are reliant on their free Dropbox accounts for an awful lot of important syncing stuff. Yeah, if you want to um, use so iPad think, with data, you really you, you need a Dropbox account. Right, and, and the whole appeal of being an iOS developer and why you jump through a lot of these hurdles and go through, you know, it put a lot of the control of your fate in Apple's hands is that Apple does give so much back. Like people who really get into Cocoa developing know that it's a really rich API and you get all sorts of stuff. You get the ability to do fancy animations and to make stuff that looks really good and you get Xcode and Interface Builder and these really good tools and they really, really work hard to give you lots of stuff that you, you can just work on what your app specifically does. But they give you nothing for syncing data over the, over the cloud. And it's absolutely essential, I think. So just for example, if you do a game, right, you should be able to, to drop your iPad, well not drop it, but put it down, pick up your iPhone and go back to the same level you were on in whatever game, if they have a version for both. And the developer of the game shouldn't have to worry about setting up their own syncing service and maintaining a web server and, and latency and not losing data and privacy and, and all of this stuff, that, that, that they should just have to worry about making a good game. But they should absolutely, you should be able to sync your data. Or if you get a new phone, you should be able to, you know, just download the app from the app store, give it your credentials, and hey, we know where you were. Here's, here's the last level you completed. Um, you agree? 
Uh, I agree completely. I, th I think that uh, the, 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 well, the, 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 the larger thing is that every time that I think any one of us has thought about a product that already existed and then thinking, well, what's, when's Apple going to come out with their own phone? When's Apple going to come out with their own netbook? When's Apple going to come out with their own this or that? We can sort of figure out what it would look like if it had an Apple logo on it. But what Apple does is they will just simply say, if we were to transplant this into the Apple universe, what would it need to do? What would, we don't just want to build a $500 laptop computer. We want to figure out what people are using these $500 laptops for and figure out the best way to, to implement all those, all those things. So it would be very easy. Apple has already done something that was sort of similar to cloud services. They have iDisk. iDisk will sync to a local hard drive. And they have iWork.com, which is a way that you can sort of share files through, uh, through your mobile apps and through your desktop apps. But I think that when they finally do release whatever cloud service they're doing it, they're gonna be, it's gonna be just as different from Dropbox as the iPhone was to every other smartphone we'd seen before then. Uh, they're the only company that can, they're the only people who can actually see all the pieces that are on their particular chessboard. And they're the only ones that can build a service to take advantage of everything they're gonna be doing a year from now. So that's why I'm hesitant to even guess as to what their service is going to do. It does make sense for an OS maker to do the cloud. Yeah, this is this really is Apple. Well, this is this is this is why this is Apple's age. Because if there was ever a time in computing where you needed one, you needed a, a user needed to put their fate into one company that could manage as much of the experience as possible. The fact that we have mobile devices that can put that kind of software power in your pocket and available to you 24/7, and an and a, a wireless networking system, so that it's no longer necessarily important that a file be here or an app be running on this hardware. It's, it, you can do this, these sort of features okay if you have accepted international standards, but you can do them fantastically if you have one company that's building all the technology. Adam, you uh, sound like you a dissenting opinion. Well, here's the thing. I agree that that would be nice. Apple is the company in the right position. They've certainly got the examples, um, and I would love to see them do it. The fact of the matter is, Apple has never gotten internet services right. <laughs> They've been it's bad true. at it from the very really beginning. True. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I, I go back to. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Andy says. <laughs> no, I, no, I yeah. said yet. Yet. Yeah. Oh, I well, said damn things, it. <laughs> the the I mean, back in 1996, I actually wrote a white paper for Apple. I had an office overlooking the Icon Garden, everything, and wow. sort of the joke was is that when I was done, they were good. You know, I was writing about their internet strategy, and the joke was when I was done, they were going to have an internet strategy, um, and that proved to be really correct. I never um, finished except, that white paper, says Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the, the problem. The problem was I had to go around and talk to them about what their internet strategy was instead of just sort of telling them that no, eWorld wasn't it. Yeah. Um, oh. And it was, but the fact is that every time I see them do something, whether it's iTools or .Mac or MobileMe, they, they just, they, they don't get it. It's like they want to do the internet service that's easier than everyone else is or that's that's not as full featured so that it's simpler to understand and they just end up not getting there so it's not like they don't do a good job sort of eventually in certain ways like mobile me mail the webmail clients not too bad it's nowhere near as good as gmail right um, you know, they just don't get it. You know, sharing photos. Have on they made Meet. acquisitions that might help the Siri team, people like that? 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it just feels like it's not in the Apple DNA, the DNA to yeah. understand what the internet is about. And they don't do sharing well. And you they think that's because do... they want to make it so simple? Yeah, and and I mean again, like what John was saying, what Dropbox is brilliant about is that they've opened it up, they've made it available to anyone, and that's that's one of the reasons why Dropbox is just so good. And you know, I just I get this this worry that Apple would, for instance, like, oh, we're not going to do growl notifications. I happen to really like growl notifications in Dropbox. That's actually a function that makes Dropbox more useful to me. But it's not Apple, so they won't. <clears throat> Precisely. Right. They will not do it. So even if they were to get sort of the basics of it there, it wouldn't be there. Look at Time Machine. You know, a kind of clunky way of doing backups. Compare that with CrashPlan. Right. Much less CPU power, much less bandwidth. Works perfectly over the internet. You know, why isn't Time Machine doing subfile updating to the cloud? Right. Why not? I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing where they just don't seem to get there over and over again. And so as much as I really want to believe, maybe if we all, like, we, we think about it really clap hard. <laughs> clap our hands. Please. I do believe maybe. in theories. <laughs> but it just hasn't. I've been burned every time I think, oh, they're going to get it right this time. I mean, remember the Mobile Me launch? Woo, did they biff that one? I do have to say, though, and that's one of the things I like about Dropbox, you, if you implement it properly, it, the ease of use is spectacular. It's also, yes. easy, to, it's also easy to do it badly. And uh, I, I've tried other clones of Dropbox, like Walla, where I've just gotten bit because the ease of use isn't as good. So you could really screw things up badly, too. But done it's right, not it as should. Easy as it looks. Yeah, done right. Um, it, you know, I understand that on iOS, particularly on the iPad, they don't want a file system because that's confusing to people. But that's the beauty of something like Dropbox. It kind of hides the details of a file system. It just means that stuff's available. It's out there. Well, I will say that I think Apple has to get it right this time. Yeah. Because I think in the <laughs> no. past it, it was a luxury. I think that yeah. web services like, e, you know, eWorld and this thing was like, yeah, it's kind of a sideline. That's not where the world is today. We're now at a point where we absolutely have to sync stuff with the cloud. Mm -hmm. We're not sitting at our desks anymore. It's everywhere, and we've got these mobile devices. So I don't think Apple can screw it up, and I think they're probably aware of that, that they really have to have something that is as good and the likely better than The only than thing I will say to that, enjoyed. Chris, is as much as I want to believe you, iWork.com. <laughs> Okay, like yeah, I, I, but end of story. Okay. You know, come on, how could they come up with something so bad right. with things like Google Docs okay. around to show them this is where the bar starts, guys? Because right. I have to think that this is probably that was a stopgap measure, and that on the whiteboard there is really the solution, and sure. that's probably what we're going to look at next. I was I was about to say, imagine going into a friend's house and he's got the kitchen remodeled, almost completely done. Only his kitchen sink is a thirty dollar like industrial sink from Home Depot. And you say, Ma, how did he screw up something as simple as a sink? You know, he just doesn't get sinks. Then he realized that, oh, actually there's about 10 square yards of beautiful Italian marble that's still being shaped and fitted. And when that marble countertop comes in, then we're going to see this incredible basin that's absolutely perfect. I really think that Apple is just waiting for the marble countertops to get to come in before they drop <laughs> in this wonderful cloud service that makes it, that it needs. They can get it in the right white, you think? Hope springs <laughs> eternal, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I look forward to iCloud. We, I think we'll see it fairly soon. Apple has bought the domain name, according to GigaOM, from a, a Swedish company. Uh, 
rumors for $4.5 million. The Swedish company has changed its name from iCloud.com to CloudMe.com. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was $4.5 million and a name to be remain named later. They're actually swapping the me.com domain yeah, for it. You can it, have so. me now. We don't, we're not using this anymore, we don't want so it here, anymore. you can have it. Um, real quickly, one last story that I almost forgot. Uh, according to uh, EE Times, Intel... Maybe the next supplier of processors for iOS devices. Apple currently uses their mortal enemy, Samsung, for the A5. Um, mm. Intel certainly would love to have that business. Intel's never done well in the mobile business, even though they've created some architectures designed for mobile. They, they seem to lose to ARM every step of the way. That would be a pretty big shift for Apple, though, to leave ARM behind and go to uh, scale or whatever Intel is working on. I, I, I find this not a credible story, but... Uh, what do I know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I just don't see the upside. I don't see Intel's any reason to do it. That to me. I think Intel. Well, would I think like if it. Intel could go to them and and make like a compelling case and say, "Look, we can sell you these for this incredible price. They're way thinner. They use less power, right. and they're twice as fast." Apple does have a development toolchain in place that's relatively, you know, uh, architecture independent. Yeah. So if they if there was a very compelling technical case to switch. You know, Apple's done these sort of switches before, yes, and and they've gone off pretty well. Um, but it reminds me of the stories, you know, like you know, and I I think it's just a negotiating thing too, where now Apple can can get these, you know, can go to Samsung and say, "Whoa, you should listen to the things Intel's whispering right. in our ear." Right. Um, you know, Apple's in the driver's seat, and you know, they get they get wooed. When you sell thirty five million devices, I think you probably have your choice of fast. Right. Wasn't there also a story about switching to Intel for um, the flash memory? Oh, I thought that that was new too. I didn't see the details of it, but that Intel has some kind of new flash memory, you know, that's ever thinner and smaller. Uh, and obviously, if you're selling flash memory, you're, you're going to Apple first. Interesting. If you want to sell a lot of it. We're going to uh, take a break, come back with your picks of the week, software or hardware. Gentlemen, prepare your picks. And while you're doing that, Andy has a pick for us. I want to tell everybody about, of course, our good friends at audible.com, the ultimate uh, place for buying and listening to audio books. I'm a huge Audible fan, a big Audible subscriber, uh, as is Andy, as are many of our hosts. We just love, I guess, you know, if you're audio focused and, and if you're listening to podcasts, you probably are, you really ought to know about Audible. 70,000 plus titles. Radio shows, magazines, newspapers, and of course the best in fiction, nonfiction, science fiction, help and how to. And Andy, I think you've got a pick for us that has to do with uh, with a horse. Indeed, I do. This is this is something that I've been every three months. I have been doing a Google search for Secretariat, uh, rather, excuse me, an Audible search for Secretariat because I knew two things. Number one, a uh, the audiobook version of Bill Nack's uh, biography of Secretariat was going to be an awesome book, and two, it was going to be doubly awesome because, of course, he was going to be the narrator himself. I've heard Bill uh, Bill Nack is a friend of mine, and I've heard him. Uh, talk about this horse both just like privately socially and in front of like 500 people at a time and this man has such a deep profound understanding of horse racing in general and this horse in particular and he is a gifted storyteller so the only disadvantage i can talk about uh, i can say about this audiobook is that it's not narrated by bill neck 
uh, do go to YouTube and do a search for some of his videos because people have been fortunate enough to be with him as he's telling these stories, and he's a wonderful storyteller. But uh, he is, even in print, though, he is just as good a storyteller as he is in, per in person. Uh, he's been now the only, uh, I've read this, in, uh, this was just released today, so I've read the book a couple times uh, in paperback. I haven't uh, heard the audiobook, but I will tell you that stick with the first couple of chapters because he's, he very, very wisely spends the first chapter turning you into a lover of horse racing. Oh. And he has to do that. And he has to do that by telling you it's not just about, well, they bought this horse and they chose a jockey and then they went chopping for a hat and a saddle and then they put him on the race. No, it's really about these breeding farms and the families that own them and what the people who make these choices and how they select uh, these horses, how they select the trainers, when they decide that they're ready to go. Uh, Secretariat became the property of this uh, this farm based on a coin toss, also based on the fact that the uh, person who the person one of the people in, involved in this coin toss to select who gets to buy the next the the, the next uh, colt uh, from the stable wanted to lose because he she knew that this one the, this one came from a plus b is equal c which is going to be kind of an okay horse but the next one is going to be a plus d which could be a spectacular animal that part uh, of the story is fantastic i have to say it, it it really and there was a movie about it that was i very saw the movie what? and and it was excellent but uh, when you when you actually hear the we get to the point where Secretariat is has had a disappointing start for a very very simple medical reason, but now he still thought that this could be the, one of the greatest not only greatest horses in history, one of the greatest athletes in history, but now it's time for him to prove it by racing the Triple Crown. Uh, and Bill really gets again. I really urge you to uh, hit YouTube and try to see hear him tell the story when he tells the story personally of watching this horse do, win the Triple Crown. You're just you know how it turns out, but you're like, come on, Secretary, come on, Secretary. <laughs> We're now Look. dancing in the aisles at Churchill Downs. Now, how do you know, Bill? Is he a, a writer at uh, the Sun-Times? Uh, he's and he he's a friend of uh, Roger Ebert's, a mutual uh, friend. Uh, and so I first great. met him about 10 years ago at the Conference on World Affairs in Boulder. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and yeah, no, I'll, I'll. I mean, he was he was there from the he he, he has the official title of Secretary's biographer because he was there oh, uh, at the beginning. He was he was story. there in this. He was there when Secretariat died, and he, uh, there's a story that he told uh, during when he was telling the Secretariat story in Boulder a few weeks ago that I hadn't heard before, where he was at the at the he was a regular at the at the stables, and he sees like sort of Secretariat just sort of like doing this sort of playing like in the in, in the paddock like this. Didn't know came closer and he saw that there was like a little a bird feather on its nose that it was trying to <laughs> and he the secretary finally blew the feather off it danced around a little while and landed at bill's feet and he carried that feather in his wallet oh, wow. for years and years and years until he was at a prize fight at Madison square garden and someone stole his wallet oh wow what so, a story and he's he, I, I could tell i could keep talking and talking about bill uh, but again, this is this is exactly the guy to tell the story of legitimately one of the greatest athletes of the 20th century. I can't wait to read this. Thank yeah, you. I, 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 again, I promise you, I had zero zero interest in horse racing, zero knowledge of horse racing. I bought this book only because I had met Bill and really been heard some of his stories and been wow. Well, I guess I, yeah, I guess I should read this. And then again, I'm I am there on a train reading this book saying, come on, come on, okay, he's last, he's dead last, but it's secretary, he's got, oh my God, he's still accelerating. <laughs> and I'm like, for God's sake, Andy, it's like, damn, fuck, just pull it together. Secretariat, what a great choice, but you see the variety and the quality of the books available to you at audible.com. I, I know our lives are busy these days, and I, for a while, kind of got out of reading, and but 
it was such an important part of my life for you know for years and years and years and audible's brought it back actually what brought it back was my long commute to tech tv years ago and and, and the fact that i had to have something to take my mind off the drive if you've got a long commute if you go to the gym i, I listen to the gym now i don't have the commute anymore but i listen to the gym every single day uh, it's a great way to read at a time when you couldn't normally read and and get an amazing amount read i have 500 books now in my audible queue books i've read enjoyed and loved over the last 10 years and this is going to be 501, uh, Andy. It sounds really great. I can't wait to read it, Secretary. High, highest possible recommendation. Now you get it free. Go to audible.com slash MacBreak. You'll sign up for the gold account. That's a book a month. First month's free. First book, therefore, free. And it's yours to keep forever. Cancel at any time. You still got Secretariat by uh, Bill Knack. And, uh, but there's so many other choices if you're not into that. There's plenty. It's kind of hard to choose. I have a two-book-a-month plan, and I just, you know, I just eat them like candy. Audible.com slash MacBreak. Please use that URL so we get credit. Audible.com slash MacBreak. Get your free book today from Audible.com. The Hair of Breen, your pick of the week. Okay, my uh, pick of the week is HBO Go. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, free. baby. Um, I was recently at a family event, and um, this last week... And it was it kind of a, held in a rustic place, and so there were no televisions in the house, but there was wireless <gasps> internet, and um, and so we would do the family stuff, and and about <clears throat> eight thirty or so, that was the end of it, and so I still had the rest of the evening to do something, and I had downloaded HBO Go before I had left, and I hadn't quite finished Boardwalk Empire, and I love HBO for a couple of shows, and I have an HBO subscription because. Every season, there's like two or three shows that I absolutely want to watch, and it's worth it for me to pay for it. So at home, I have a uh, DirecTV subscription, and you don't get HBO Go on DirecTV, but you do get it through this app. So I was able to watch on my iPad um, not only some Ricky Gervais shows, but also those last two episodes of Boardwalk Empire. They have a lot of the older shows there. So if you want to go back and watch Deadwood or um, catch up on shows that you never watched, like The Wire, I've never been through it. And now I'm going to catch up thanks to this app. It's The video quality is great. Um, the interface is really nice. And... Um, and it's just, uh, and it doesn't cost you anything. If you're already getting HBO and you have an iPad, download it for free, and you can watch uh, all the HBO programs you like. It may, I kind of understand HBO's strategy because they've never really offered shows on iTunes before, or very limited shows on iTunes, uh, on demand. And you never get the whole season. You don't get old seasons. The, obviously, they were planning this all along. It, you can also go to HBOGo.com. They have it on the web as well. Right. You can get it on your computer as well. It's a fabulous bargain. You're right. It's frustrating because unlike most other networks where you can go the next day and get an episode like uh, Justified, for example, I can get that the next day, and I love the show, so it's great. But HBO, if you miss it and you don't have something like this, you have to wait for the DVD set to come out in two years or a year after this. Right, so right. fabulous bargain. If you're an HBO subscriber and your TV service is compatible with you, you absolutely should get it. Brilliant. It's a it's a brilliant move by HBO to keep subscribers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does it, <laughs> no, I, does I, it support I AirPlay? Good does question. it work with AirPlay? Um, no, I don't believe it does. I ah. think you have to watch it on there. For crying out loud. Boo. Boo. Hang on. Let me try. Let me All right, let's see. <laughs> Play it to your Apple TV because that that would be sweet. Uh, although I have to say, and I found this with Netflix and all the streaming uh, apps on the iPad, you don't get the same quality that you would get if you had a Roku attached to your TV or something like that. Right. Uh, uh, 
go on and talk among yourselves. Yeah, so, okay. uh, let's see. Oh, wait. I see the AirPlay icon. AirPlay there Go. AirPlay HBO Go. Yay. You can play it's it on under your Apple TV. Lovely. Uh, okay. Looks like he's got a little uh, Disney movie there, a little uh, little DreamWorks coming up there. Uh, it's a little DreamWorks happening. It's a DreamWorks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch a movie. Go ahead. You enjoy yourself, Chris. Well, Andy Anako <laughs> gives us his pick of the week. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite apps for iOS. Uh, and very timely, too. Over the weekend, I was moderating uh, panels at uh, the Boston Comic-Con. Uh, and I was able to use an app that I just totally rely on every time I speak. It's called Presentation Clock by Sean Welch. Uh, and it is, it's, it's an app that does one simple thing, but does it flawlessly, perfectly, as well as it possibly can do. Its only job is to be a clock for like when you're doing presentations <laughs> or trying it. to time something. I've got it on the iPad right now, uh, but basically you, you, tell, you set it up by saying, how long do you need to talk? Uh, then you simply tell it that you, you tell it that I want the, the letters to the numbers to go from uh, uh, at a certain inter, at a certain time I want this to the numbers to go to yellow to warn me about I'm getting close to the end then go to red at a certain time to tell me that I really need to wind things up you can have it do audible alerts or you can have it remain completely silent I believe I don't think I've, I've, I haven't used this feature but I believe you can even set it up so that uh, as the moderator you can have your iPhone running this app but also controlling a, an iPad version of this app with, that the other speakers can see. So if you want to tell people, by the way, your 10, second, your 10 minutes starts oh, right cool. now. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's just, and look, you, you, there's no mistaking this. So as I'm, giving, as I'm giving my talks, I don't have to keep an eye on the clock. I'll just simply my peripheral vision realize, oh, I see yellow. That means that I need to stop talking about how awesome this movie, uh, Rango, I saw was and start getting, actually getting back to the topic of leveraging XML uh, across multiple domains, which is what I'm actually here to start talking about. So uh, it's only about, it's 99 cents, uh, but as I say, it's it's I would almost want to give them give uh, give them 99 cents just for writing a perfect app. Uh, it's not not just for presentations too. Uh, when I was uh, making Pizzelli's uh, Pizzelli cookies a couple weeks ago, <laughs> it's also like just just the perfect repetitive. I need you I need you to count me down a minute and a half and give me warnings when I'm close to needing to, to do something. That's great. Time and time and time and time That's again. <laughs> I, I will I will also say just just to sort of stick the knife in uh, at the uh, at the Boulder conference, it's like four speakers on a panel. We each get to talk for ten minutes each. The guy next to me, I had my little speaker clock work work perfectly, wonderfully. The guy next to me had a Nexus uh, Nexus One and was trying to use the stopwatch and it screwed up on him twice. It started beeping and it didn't it couldn't reset it. Stop! Wait a minute, hang on. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what, that's I think the the greatest uh, the greatest advertisement for for this app ever. So. Highest recommendation. Presentation Clock by Sean Welch. 99 cents on the iOS 99 store. damn cents. 99 damn cents. Now, John Gruber from DaringFireball.net. Your pick of the week, sir. All right, let me set the stage. It's 1991. I'm a freshman at Drexel University here in Philadelphia. Drexel, very Mac-oriented school, especially at the time. So all the freshmen, pretty much, you were supposed to have... You, they couldn't make you buy a Mac, but they, they, they made you buy a Mac. Everybody has a Mac. 1991, Ethernet... Is, is like a high-end, I mean, consumer Macs didn't come with Ethernet. There were no Ethernet jacks in the dormitory. Wi-Fi was years away, right? So these are machines that people bought, and typically you only communicated via taking a floppy disk out, right. going to the other machine. But you could buy these little dongles. I forget what they were called. Adam, I'll bet you remember. But you could put <laughs> it in the serial port of your Mac and then phone use net. phone net. Exactly. Phone, phone net. net. Phone yeah. Net. yeah. 
So for 10 bucks, you could get this thing that would talk. plug in the serial port of your Mac, and then you could use, now remember, Ethernet cable, way, way, way too expensive at the time. You'd just use phone cable, and you could connect to Macs, and then you'd have an Apple Talk network. That's right. For 10 bucks a person, plus the cost of, um, of the phone cable, and <clears throat> phone cable is just copper, so you could just get like speaker wire if you wanted to run it down the hall and, and just twist it together. Uh, so we got the whole floor of Calhoun Hall wired up with this. Now, why would we do that? Why would we do this? It was to play a game called Spectre. Does anybody remember yeah. this game? Tank yes. game. It was a tank game. Spectre. Vector graphics. Yes. Well, yeah. guess what? It is out for the iPad. They have brought it back. <gasps> 99 cents. S-P-E-C-T-R-E, -E, of course, because spelling it that way is way cooler. It looks cooler. like Andy's got it already. Of course. <laughs> it, it is. It all, is all I it needed is. to do was hear the word Spectre, and I was sold. It is not uh, oh, like yes, somebody who, who played Spectre and kind of had a vague recollection of what it was like, and they remade it. It's like the real deal. I mean, they've got the sounds. It looks right. Oh, it looks just uh, like the original. 99 cents. It's like 99 cents for $99 worth of nostalgia. And the <laughs> controls are actually pretty good for a game that was originally based on having your finger, fingers on the arrow keys and a thumb on the space bar. Um, the touchscreen controls, I think, are actually pretty good. Spectre 3D, oh, they call it now. If I, so I beg you, if the developers are out there, I beg you to make it, put it in the Mac App Store. Get it running on oh, it yes. so I can play it with the, with the keyboard. Oh, yes. I beg you. I beg you. I will link it up. I will. I will get people to buy it. <laughs> wow. Very I can't cool. tell you how happy this game made me. Oh, I forgot all about oh, yeah. that game. It's like Battlezone a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. it's very fun. So even if you don't if you don't remember playing it back in the day, for ninety nine cents, I'm telling you, it's actually pretty fun. Uh, Single and multiplayer. Yes. I'm sorry. Of, of of all of all the days I chose to like not have my dual display <laughs> iPad. You could have put in. it up that, there on the screen. Oh, man. Yeah. No. Oh, I, I look at even Breen has it. Oh, I've got yep. it too. I love Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we do land party Spectre though? That's what I want. Yes. Multiplayer. Yeah, multiplayer. Four players via Bluetooth. By a Bluetooth. Oh, 16, 16 players via internet or Wi-Fi. Yes. <laughs> Who needs phone net? Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Wow, that's really cool. Thank you, John. Yeah, I showed that to my daughter and said, this is how we used to do this things. This is how Daddy used to See, game. This is, this, but this really does show that like, uh, games for our generation is like what music was for previous generations. Yes. Now, we're, right. they're, now they're even doing cover versions <laughs> of the old right. hits just to, get, just to get the next gen us to like rebuy this. Like, oh, my God, I was in the dorm at Rensselaer, and I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> and uh, and it, you can't play it on the iPhone, too. As well, right? So it's iPad or iPhone. Wow, what a what a what a great app! How does it play on the iPhone? Anybody play it on the iPhone? Seems like kind of a natural iPad app. Yeah, I haven't tried it on the yeah. on the iPhone actually, but on the iPad, it's it's traces. I last but not least, Adam Inkst, tidbits.com. Well, I was uh, I was just spending ten days in Denver and Boulder and uh, relying pretty heavily on Navigon while I was there for driving and finding my way around. And one of the real problems whenever you use your iPhone as a GPS device is it absolutely sucks battery. Yes. And so, you know, it's not a big deal if you're home and you've got battery chargers there, your chargers everywhere, or you have a car charger that's sort of in a reliable spot and all of that kind of stuff. But I didn't 
have all of that kind of reliable stuff. And I knew I was going to need the iPhone to be working at the end of the day every day. So uh, this is actually, this is, this is my like success story for the Macworld Expo speaker's swag bag. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm poking through the bag you know, before I leave and I come across this. The Mophie Juice Pack Oh, Air. yeah, baby. Oh, and yeah. just take the iPhone out of it there. You can see two-part two part case just slides right in. Yeah, it's a little big. It's a little heavier, but it still slides into my jeans pocket. And I did not run out of battery once on the trip. Uh, it, it, they say it virtually doubles the battery life. That was more than enough for, you know, 60 to 90 minutes of GPS use a day, along with everything else I was doing, including, you know, being in a couple of wacky cell service areas where the iPhone was really hunting. So if you're in a situation where you're, you don't, maybe you don't need it normally, but on a trip where you don't know you're going to be able to get to power regularly, the juice pack air just totally saved my butt. Another one, um, uh, Saturday, I was participating in a 77-mile relay race around Seneca Lake. Same thing. I knew I was going to be needing the GPS. I was going to have the phone on all day in dodgy spots. And at the end of the day, I needed to guarantee that I had the phone working in case I ended up in a place where I didn't know how to get home from. So, you know, ju juice pack air meant that I had a, you know, a good chunk of battery left at the very end of the day. It's about what, 90, 80 bucks? Seventy nine ninety five for the Juice yeah. Pack Air, ninety nine for the Juice Pack Plus, which is a little bit more. It's a two thousand milliamp hour ah. battery versus a seventeen hundred milliamp hour battery for just a tiny bit more weight. So if you're if you're really concerned about it, I'd probably go for the Juice Pack Plus. Um, I don't think I'd use it on a daily basis, um, you know, and I, and I don't when I'm home, but when I was traveling or on the say this relay race where I was out out and about all day long and needed to, the phone to absolutely work. That was the saving grace. I agree. Love my juice pack. I, and I also think I have that same one. I can vouch for it. I wouldn't go to a conference without it. Right. I don't need it. Never yeah. need it on a regular yeah. day. And every time I go to a conference and I'm, you know, screwing around on my phone all day, sucking on the Wi-Fi, juice pack air. I, I never yeah. have a problem getting through the day with it. The juice pack air, it also has this little straw in back. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a juice box. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's, it's the one thing that, uh, that I still go back to the iPhone when I'm going to be in those situations because there are no Android phones with that kind of uh, backup battery uh, pack. Oh, you just, mean that even though there's so many of them? That's no the one's reason, of course. Nobody's going to make a case for them. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but the iPhone, there's one, and so it's easy to do. Uh, yeah, Mophie's yeah. done a good job uh, all along with these. And that, uh, I yeah, know no, that's a brilliant plus pack. Yeah, I'm going to order a plus pack. Hey, what a great show this has been. I want to thank you all. Chris Breen is the Mac Daddy at MacWorld.com. <laughs> that's what we call him. Well, he's no. trying to think how to respond to that. You can't deny it, Chris. Sorry. No, that came from the, uh, wow, uh, Tech TV days. Yeah. And, uh, ZDTV, uh, I think, is where, you, yeah. where ooh, you bestowed ooh, that Mr. honor. Mr. Mac upon. Daddy. And he's I was laughing because it seemed like he was trying to keep a straight face through that. And then, <laughs> and then he, it could only last about a second. Can't do yeah. it. Hey, thank you, Chris, for being here. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Leo. I want to actually thank Andy for putting this panel together. I wasn't sure if I was going to be here today. Andy stepped into the breach and did a great job of assembling perhaps the three, in addition to himself, the three best journalists uh, and the Mac side that we could imagine. I will, so. 
I will uh, I will underscore that. Although I, I usually I I pick these guys because I know it'll be a great show with them. Like if I'm supposed to be hosting, but in, in retrospect, I'm realizing wait no that means if the show sucks, it can't possibly be because of the guests. It must <laughs> be because be. of me. <laughs> <laughs> I deal with that every day, Andy, and uh, <laughs> you just have to get used to sucking. Andy Anako does <laughs> not have a show title. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just get used to sucking. Andy is the uh, the man in charge of technology coverage at the Chicago Sun-Times. And, of course, his blog is www.cwob.com. And follow him on Twitter and Flickr and everywhere else. I-H-N-A-T-K-O. Thank you, Andy. We'll see you next week. John Gruber is Mr. Daring Fireball. DaringFireball.net. One of the most uh, opinionated and usually the most well-informed Mac columnists and bloggers out there. Uh, a must-read for anybody who follows Mac News, as everybody knows. And if you don't, go get it. Did we misspell John? It's J-O-N, isn't it? No. No? No. I paid for the H. <laughs> you paid extra for the H. Thanks for being here, John. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I, it, I enjoyed it. Always fun Great to job. have you on. And, of course, finally, uh, Mr. Adam Engst. From tidbits.com, the longest-running Mac journal of any kind. Started really in the earliest days of the Macintosh, and it's still going strong. T-I-D-B-I-T-S.com. Adam, great to have you, too. Anytime, Leo. Thanks for being here, everybody. We appreciate your watching. We do this show every uh, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1800 UTC at live.twit.tv. It is fun to watch live, but, of course, you don't have to because... We then offer both the audio and the video, high and low quality, on iTunes and everywhere else you can find podcasts. Or just go to TWIT.TV slash MBW for Mac Break Weekly, and you can subscribe there. Uh, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Now get back to work. Break time's over.